Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. What is up, everyone? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to a Monday edition and another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Shout out to everyone in the uh, chat right off the bat. Hope you had a great weekend and uh, thanks to everyone tuning in on the podcast. Uh, of course, if you are a podcast listener, check out the YouTube stream um, anytime afterwards. Just hit that red subscribe button and subscribe to Winnipeg Sports Talk. And for all of you that are checking us out on YouTube, just know that um, the audio version's always available mid-afternoon, right after we finish the show. Just go to your favorite podcast host and uh, type in Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe there. Uh, we've got a great show today. And listen, it was a huge weekend. You had... Two big wins for the Sea Bears at home. We've got an important signing for the Winnipeg Jets today of Morgan Barron. By the way, Reem, I'm feeding back to myself here. Oh. Uh. In addition to all of that, we uh, had a football game on Saturday involving the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And um, I, like many of you, I'll be honest, still somewhat shocked. <laughs> I still can't believe it. Uh, one of the most unlikely and inconceivable comebacks in recent CFL history. And the Bombers were on the wrong side of it. Um, we will break it down with Ed Tate from BlueBombers.com. And, of course, Jeff Hamilton was out there as well. Uh, I, I will say this from a, just a fan's perspective. Saturday was... What the CFL, the crazy football league, that's what it was all about. Our pal Dusty now has got his own segment on Jay Onright Sports Center because what is happening? And I think we are all saying what is happening in the second half of that game between Ottawa and Winnipeg. And certainly, if you stuck around and watched the second half of the doubleheader between Calgary and Saskatchewan. So, plenty of talk on the Bombers. There was some great news, though. Kenny Lawler is back. Um, so Bombers hosting the Edmonton Elks. I imagine they'll be in a very ornery mood for the winless Elks on Thursday night at Cant at uh, IG Field. Um, so anyways, a lot of CFL talk. Um, but I'll tell you what, highlight of the weekend, I think, for a lot of people was uh, getting out to those Seabears games. Two more sellouts, two more big wins for the home team. And uh, really looking forward to having the hometown hero from Friday night's game, Simon Hildebrand, who has been just an incredible story. The first ever draft pick of the Winnipeg Sea Bears, after finishing up his rookie season with the U of M Bisons, where he was the U Sports Rookie of the Year. Uh, and got to do it with his coach, Kirby Shep, sitting courtside. So we'll get to that with uh, Simon a little bit later on. We'll certainly get ready for a city boy at Downs later on at the end of the program. Cool bet lines and more. But uh, just before we bring in Michael Remus, a big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Aquatech, Modern Man Barbershop, BP, Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Vita Health, and Wallace and Wallace, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, the Cinnaboy Downs, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and the great taste of Little Brown Jug. Hope you mixed in a couple LBJs on the weekend as well. All right, let's get Michael Remus in here. And uh, Remo, what's up? How was your weekend? Well, I'm having a good time laughing at uh, some of the comments here in our YouTube calling Saturday's game a, a crumb back. <laughs> and uh, I think someone left a YouTube comment on the highlight package writing, 
I'm crumbing. So like, <laughs> at least people are having fun here in the chat. I'm feeling good, but I was kind of, uh, kind of still trying to get over that Bombers loss. Uh, I mean, up was it 16 points with 240 left Huss and Dustin Crum. We like we're kind of talked about all week how the Bombers were 9.5, 9.5 point favorites, nine and a half point favorites. You know, they're on their fourth string, Ottawa, and he leads a 94-yard seven-play drive to score and then get a two-point conversion, their second two-point conversion. Just what a terrible way to lose. But we did get some positive news as today with Morgan Barron signing a two-year deal, $1.35 million AAV. Yeah, and Kenny Lawler. Why don't we talk about that? Why don't we yeah. talk about that? Uh, we'll focus in on Morgan's, uh, Morgan Barron's deal. Kenny Lawler coming back. We can talk about the epic Wimbledon final between Djokovic and Alcaraz. Uh, nice stretch for the Gold Eyes. I mean, they lost the last couple of games, but split the six-game series with Cleburne. They had some real nice crowds out at the ballpark. We've got the Sea Bears. Maybe we can just avoid the elephant in the room. What the heck happened to the Bombers in that fourth quarter? Dude, it was 25-6 to six at the end of the third quarter. Bombers were up by 19. And, and, and I'll say this, and again, I'm really looking forward to getting Jeff and Ed on to talk a little bit more about it. Because again, this is week six of the Canadian Football League. And, you know, if you're going to have, if you're going to choke away a game, let it happen earlier in the season and preferably against a team that had been struggling in the East as opposed to one that might really cost you within your own division. Um, but, but I got to tell you, I mean, it was a full 24 hours later and I still... I still was basically in, in a state of shock. I mean, what what were you like right at the end of the game? Uh, I, I I was in a almost a catatonic state, if you will, a combination of disbelief and some frustration. Because as I said, I, I, I tweeted this out. With the exception of Sergio Castillo, pretty much everybody had a hand in that one. I mean, there were some really uncharacteristic mistakes on the offensive side of the football by Zach Caleros, by Brady Oliveira, and I have no idea what the heck happened to the Bomber defense. It took Ottawa 25 minutes for a bloody first down in the first half, and um, Crum, as you mentioned, looked like the uh, second coming of Nathan Rourke in the uh, in the second half. Uh, okay. uh, I mean, I tweeted uh, out after on that touchdown run. I tweeted out Mike Vicks. Touchdown run in OT against Minnesota. Remember that one where the two defenders, forty-four yarder, never yeah, collide. It. That was he just it was untouched though. That was the only difference with the uh, crumb. I think by the end you were kind of you kind of felt it coming. Like when in overtime when you know you have the nice first down play and Claris gets sacked on second down for eleven yard loss. Um, you know you're thankful that they signed Sergio Castillo and he can you know makes those forty plus yarders. He's been so good. Look, look easy. That was, a, I mean, even during the game when um, you know, there were, he's kicking field goals, like during regulation, he was great. Uh, you do have to mention, I mean, Crum and the Red Blacks, 17 yards net offense in the first half. Three first downs. However, I mean, for that good thing for Ottawa, the game is uh, four quarters. 26 of 42, 261 yards. And an interception, 103 rushing yards on nine carries for Crum. And Cowboy made an interesting point saying that, 
you know, Bombers, trouble with these running QBs, going back to Chad Kelly in the Grey Cup, and that gave me some uh, bad flashbacks there. Chad Kelly running all over the Bombers uh, in the fourth quarter of the Grey Cup. And there was uh, Crum again on the weekend. Man, that, that was a tough one, Huss. That's a tough I, one. I mean, the, the, you talk about the Claris. I mean, they're up 25-9. The Claris pick six, and like, okay, they got some life. And, and you, you, okay, you just need to, you know, get a couple first downs here. And you think you have one. It's Brady Oliveira, who's got the, was a 43-yard gain. And then he fumbles, and Ottawa gets it right back. I mean, to, to be fair, he, I mean, he went on a nine, and I don't want to blame all the offense, but 94-yard seven-play drive, what, would last like 50 seconds. That's to tie, and then the two two-point conversions. So I agree, everyone, I mean, you could point fingers at a number of plays, and just everything went wrong, and just started spiraling, coming together, and by the time overtime, I mean, they had, they had all the momentum, and you could hear it in, you know, we have the call from the Red Blacks uh, radio. I mean, they felt it coming, I think. Well, listen, there's just absolutely no doubt that it is the most stunning collapse of a Blue Bomber team that we've seen in, I mean, as long as I can remember. And I'm sure there might be some Bomber historians or maybe Eddie can give us one or two. two, Not that we really want to dive too much into other horrible losses for the Bombers. Um, And we've been we've been spoiled. I've been saying that, you know, I said that after the B.C. game. This football team has raised the bar so high over the last four seasons that, um, I I mean, listen, regardless of that, though, the way that that game unraveled was inconceivable. I mean, the way the Bombers were playing, what happened in the first half. um, Listen, I'd be interested to see what people think. I mean, was that just Ottawa getting it together? It certainly felt like the Bombers thought that the game was over and sort of played like it. And unfortunately, that was... um, that was not the case. We will get to this, and I know we're going to be spending quite a bit of time on this game and the crazy weekend in the Canadian Football League. Um, and we'll play those clips heading into Ed Tate. Um, but let's quickly touch on a little bit of Jets news right off the bat, Remus, because as you mentioned, Morgan Barron has a two-year deal avoiding arbitration, $1.35 million AAV for the young man that came over as uh, the one active player in the Andrew Kopp trade with the New York Rangers. Um, and I think there's a lot of Morgan Barron fans amongst Jets, na- against, uh, Jets Nation. Uh, I would imagine there's a lot in the chat as well that really like the player that he's turning into right now. I think he can be a solid regular contributor in the Jets' bottom six. But then you look at the rest of that trade. Brad Lambert, Elias Salmonson, and Thomas Millich. Um, as far as deadline deals go, that um, that's looking very, very good for Kevin Chevalier off in the Winnipeg Jets right now. But, of course, the focus is on the Bear, Morgan Barron, who's back. And uh, I think a nice bridge deal for Barron. He'll have plenty of opportunity to even establish himself more as an NHL regular and earn a bigger contract. But, you know, some cost certainty at a very reasonable rate for a guy that I think is a big part of the Winnipeg Jets' future announced earlier today. Yeah, I was looking at uh, Evolving Hockey's contract projections. I think they had him at a two-year 1.2. This was two-year 1.35 million AEV. So they were pretty much on the money. And there's not, you know, I mean, for a guy like him, who's a bottom six player, 21 points in 70 games, I mean, the contract pretty much is what it is. I think Gabe Velarde described his RFA negotiation last year. They said, here, this is what you're, 
you're getting, and he signed it. And speaking of Gabe Velarde, you know, that's the other remaining RFA. Now, Morgan Barron did have an arbitration date. I forget what it was, the end of the month. Anyways, they avoid arbitration, and we expect. Now people are saying, okay, what's next for Shuffleboard now that Barron is done? Uh, Gabe Velarde, his hearing set for July 28, we anticipate. They're not going to go to arbitration, so it's just another one. Other remaining RFAs, Huss, Rasmus Kupari, and Logan Stanley as well. But Morgan Barron done. A uh, nice contract, and I think he's going to have, I agree, as I think he can take a step forward uh, and improve on the career highs that he had last season. As you said, 21 points, 8 goals, 13 assists, 70 games. And, of course, how could we forget taking the skate to the face in the playoffs yep. and really not missing any time, which uh, which is Jets, Jets legend now, I think. For sure, Amal just uh, referred to him as Scarface Baron in the uh, in the <laughs> chat. Uh, and hey, yeah, he's certainly got a lot of notoriety from that. And hey, he's a tough player. He's added a lot to the Winnipeg Jets. And yeah, I think this is a fair deal. Nice to see him back for a couple seasons. You know, Kapari will be very interesting. I mean, he played 66 games last year, didn't do much offensively in a different role and may benefit from maybe some increased opportunity here in Winnipeg if he gets it. I'm very interested to see what happens with Logan Stanley, though, Remus, as you mentioned. Um, you know, Stanley has been given plenty of opportunities here and, you know, basically found him outside of the top six. Um, you know, and now we think about, well, Billy Hanel's status isn't as urgent because he can be put on waivers next year, but Declan Chisholm uh, is there. And I would imagine that there will be a team that would be interested in sort of seeing if Logan Stanley can fulfill some of the promise that a lot of scouts thought that he had heading into his career. It just hasn't really happened here in Winnipeg. And like, I know the organization is high enough on him that they've, you know, kept rolling him out there at times, but it was pretty clear last year that Dylan Sandberg left him in the dust as far as being a regular. And we had heard that Logan Stanley was at times looking for a change of scenery, like many young players do that find themselves on the wrong side of the line when it comes to being in and out of the lineup. Um, but as far as Logan goes, I mean, that's not a player we've heard a lot of trade talk or chatter about. I do think, though, just because of uh, the 6-7 frame that there's always someone that'll maybe poke around or take interest in. Really don't have much idea about what his value is right now. Um, but whether Logan Stanley inks that deal with the Winnipeg Jets and is part of the team going forward will be uh, will be one of the interesting stories I think we'll be paying attention to over the course of this next sort of quieter time of the NHL offseason. Yeah, and there were reports last year or during the trade deadline from Frank Cervelli that Logan Stanley uh, had requested a trade, uh, unhappy with you know not being able to get in the lineup regularly. And I think but part of that is uh, as he was passed uh, by Dylan Sandberg. But the other part, too, has the Jets knew they had all these you know, defense, defenseman prospects, and they, you know, were stuck with all these veteran guys, so they never had room for any of them. So there was only one spot on the roster, and uh, Sandberg did earn that spot, and he signed last week a two-year deal. And we'll wait and see what happens with Logan Stanley. I'm kind of curious, as just because he had, there, were the, there was the report that he requested the trade. Do they accommodate that request, or are the Jets, or are the Jets done uh, making moves here? And, I mean, even if he does sign, like, there's no spot for him in the lineup. I would think the contract he's going to get a similar contract than he got before. What like a million dollars? I don't think it would be. Yeah. I 
I think it's pretty much set like set what it's going to be, but up to him to decide what he wants to do. If he wants to sign it or try to force his way uh, somewhere else. And I don't know. He doesn't really have any leverage, us, as he's an, an RFA. So I think he's kind of st just stuck here. And I don't know. Sometimes it, that's why I think just some, you know, when a guy like, uh, you know, guys are able to choose their own destination, you know, sometimes when you get, dra you get drafted, you don't get to pick where you play. And sometimes you're in a situation that's beneficial to you. And sometimes you're not. But Logan Stanley has had a lot of chances in the past. And, um, I don't know if it's worked out, and maybe it would be best for him to be in another organization. Yeah. Oh, well, listen. I think that there could be some benefit to uh, to to moving on from uh, from Logan. I mean, listen. I think there's other younger defensemen that are knocking on the door, ready to play, that need an opportunity to show whether they can do it at the NHL level or not. Declan Chisholm's at the top of that list, considering his waiver uh, status for this season. Um. Listen, I know Stanley's a different sort of player. And, uh, listen, he's big. Um, you know, he he moves quite well, actually, for, you know, a guy is, that is as big as he is. I mean, it's just some of the decision-making. Um, and, I mean, from where I'm standing, for a guy that's 6'7", doesn't really play like he's 6'7", very often. And if he does, if it, it, it's great to be that big, but if you don't play that big, I'm not sure how much you're helping the team. And I think the coaches, after a number of opportunities in the lineup sort of felt that same way. And that's why he wasn't in the lineup very often last season. Um, so anyways, as far as what happens with Logan Stanley, I mean, there is no arbitration number. I mean, they'll have to figure something out, whether there's something being worked on behind the scenes, we will see. Uh, and of course the defense is still, I think a question mark. Um, certainly something's got to give if they come back with all of these players, um, you know, under contract, do they move on from somebody? Is there somebody coming in? All of that remains to be seen. Um, but we'll pay attention to, uh, you know, Stanley and Kapari who don't have arbitration. Of course, Gabe Velarde, who does have an arbitration date. And I would imagine at some point over the course of the next couple, well, probably in the next week, because um, I think the Velarde date is what, the 28th of July? So like yeah, the end of it. next week? Yeah. And as I said, that I mean, next with, week already. Yeah, that is, that is next week what? already. Hey, that's next, two days after our gold eyes Thursday night or too. next Friday, Friday. Yeah. yeah, next Friday. Yeah, because our gold eyes night's the 26th. That's the Wednesday. Oh, perfect. Oh, and by the way, I'm glad you reminded me. Just quick plug on that. Um, maybe if you missed some of the shows last week, big Winnipeg sports talk crew going to the ballpark on Wednesday, July 26th. We've had a great response. Uh, we've already had to add more tickets. I think we're over 60. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if you're uh, if you're thinking about uh, getting together with all of us, meeting some of your friends in the chat or other people that you maybe know through the internet and want to see them IRL in real life, um, that's the day to do it. Get on over to winnipegsportstalk.com, hit the link, and um, get some tickets. They're 15 bucks while supplies last. We'll have Winnipeg Sports Talk koozies. For everybody, and now uh, we've got some gold ice prizes as well that will be given out. So uh, mark the date. You'll have this week. If you want to ask some friends, see if they want to come with you, you've got this week to get your orders in. Uh, we'll sort of cut things off on Friday. And for anyone wondering that's already bought a ticket, a week today, two days before the game, we will email everybody their tickets. Um, so um, just if you're wondering why you haven't seen it yet, we're just going to wait and do it all at once. Um, so we've got a few more days. But yeah, WinnipegSportsTalk.com if you want to hang with us and join us at the ballpark for 
a gold eyes night on wednesday july 26th all right we're gonna get to eddie tate coming up in just a couple minutes but remo i thought the best way the the best way to um head into this breakdown of what the hell happened on saturday on ottawa would be to play the winning call that sounded quite different in ottawa than it did in winnipeg i don't know which which one should we play first um that is a good question uh the you want to play the bomber call the yeah, Derek maybe we Taylor play one? the bomber call. Let me play the bomber call. And this, of course, is from 680 CJOB. Uh, Derek Taylor in the booth. Doug Brown, who I think, as you can see, you can hear in this clip, about as gobsmacked as we all were that the impossible did happen in that game, completely unraveled on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the final three minutes. This is the winning touchdown by Dustin Crum in overtime as heard on OB from the Bomber side of things. It'll be second and four. Red Blacks from the 29-yard line of the Bombers. Four-man front. Four-man will rush. Crum looking right. Pumps is going to scramble. 25, 20, 15. Crum's into the end zone for the touchdown and the win. Oh, my goodness. And the Red Blacks are racing off the bench. To hug the newest, for the day, CFL star. I'm just speechless. The most improbable of comeback victories. They might have just saved their entire football season with what they did in the fourth quarter against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So there is DT and Doug Brown. Um, shocked like the rest of us were at what happened to uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. No, I will say this. Two days later, Bombers are still 4-2, long season. Uh, this is not going to define it. I, I will say this. I was, I, I, once I got over it a little bit, I, I'm really happy for Bob Dice. And I've been telling you all year long that the one thing, the reason why I have optimism about Ottawa, this was before all their quarterback injuries, was the fact that Bob is such a great leader of men, how much his players love him playing for him. And uh, man, you saw that in some of the clips of the way that they, uh, the way that they came together afterwards, but you just heard how it sounded on OB. This, this is a little different sounding clip. This is our old pal, AJ Jackabek on TSN in Ottawa with the, uh, with the winning call, with a bit more excitement, I would say, from the home team when Dustin Crum did the impossible. This is the way it sounded. Second and four, Ottawa. From the Winnipeg, 29. Four receivers. Crum in the gun, left hash, takes the snap, looks right, takes off. Right the middle, 25, 20, 15, oh, they're, game. They're, winning. And so they're winning! Touchdown! Touchdown! Black, most of the coaches all in the end zone, jumping all over Dustin Crow. Unbelievable, AJ. Yeah. Um, hey, you know what? 
They should have been excited because that was an all-timer. I mean, simply, I keep using the word inconceivable, but it pretty much was, and uh, that is the way it is. And yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? Local broadcasts are supposed to be like that. I mean, you wouldn't get that on, although I, I did have to laugh at to what that would have sounded like if Dusty was doing the game for TSN. Um We'll talk a little bit more about the crazy game that he called a little later on. Just before we bring in Eddie Tate, uh, let's get to the why not question of the day for our friends at Not Autocorp, Overly at Waverly and McGilvery. In the chat, let us know, what is your level of concern for the Bombers? Um, you know, you certainly could say that was a one in a million. Um, but is there is there is there more coming out of this game that concerns you going forward? The team's still four and two, still very good. I don't think that's happening again, but would love your uh, thoughts on that. Hit us up in the comments for the why not question of the day. Um, hey, I've got to give a shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops. Guys, you need to uh, get a little work done on top. Head on down to Modern Man Barbershops with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on either Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look and make an appointment via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow as well on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops. Bit of a cooler weekend, but going to heat up again. We've got a lot of summer left. Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let Aquatech upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Uh, I know a lot of you headed out to... Uh, summer places on the weekend and uh, made the most of it. And you know what's behind it all? The batteries and Manitoba battery. Man, they're busy right now, but that's a good thing because this is the fun. You know, in the winter, they're keeping everyone getting to work and where they need to go with car and truck batteries. Right now, it's all about maxing out on summer. And man, there's a lot of great deals. They had the boat battery blowout sale. Of course, they've got all your water sports batteries you, you need uh if you're thinking about an atv if you've got a lawn tractor a camper manitoba batteries got it all at the best prices in town they'll beat the pants off the big box stores and even better allow you more time with your family with the most convenient buying experience because they'll deliver the battery anywhere to you inside the city of winnipeg for free with any purchase of 60 bucks or more find out more and order online at manitobabattery.com Give Donnie and the gang a call, and they'll get it out to you wherever you need. And, of course, you can always pop down and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And just before we bring in Eddie Tate, uh, looking forward to Thursday night. Back at it for the Bombers. And if you haven't already, great chance to try the new Canadian Club and Ginger Ale pre-mixed cocktail available at IG Field. And, of course, at your local liquor store or beer vendor. Combining the great taste of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey with ginger ale. It's available in single 473-milliliter cans and six-packs as well. And, of course, Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, available at IG Field as well. It's the official spirit of the Bombers and your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, let's get to it. We bring in Ed Tate from BlueBombers.com. 
Eddie, uh, it's great to have you on the program. I, I mean, what the heck happened? I, I, I don't even know how, how else we can start off. I, I'm still in somewhat a state of shock at what we witnessed on Saturday. Maybe the most inconceivable comeback I can remember in years in the Canadian Football League. You know, this is one of uh, the many reasons I stopped betting on sports. <laughs> you know, uh, going into that one, the Bombers were a 10-point favorite, and I would have leaped at that uh, 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 last Friday or Saturday. But um, And even at halftime, I can remember seeing uh, Jeff Hamilton and Ted Wyman. Uh, and this is you're not supposed to do this in sports writing, but I said, well, I might as well start writing this one, right? And I started to write the Bombers win, blah, 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 and then started to change it a little bit, uh, win, but it's a bit flawed, some concerns. And then, I mean, you just have to scrap it and start all over again after what happened at, at the end of that one. A shocker, still still kind of hard to comprehend. Um, and they do call it the crazy football league, right? It's just too bad the Bombers had to get uh, smacked in the head to, to rem- have that reminder. Well, I, I mean, as far as the league goes – and as a television product, I mean, if you tuned in to what you thought was a blowout in the second half of the Winnipeg-Ottawa game, you got treated to an all-time comeback. And that Saskatchewan-Calgary game um, lived up to it as well with um, I mean, an incredible finish. Um, but, Ed, like, I'll be honest. It was 25-6 to going into the fourth quarter. They kicked that field goal. They get within 16 points. But, I mean, even... At ha- midway through the fourth quarter, this game was over. Um, at what, like, were you seeing things that were creeping into the game that was giving Ottawa a little bit of life? Or did this game really turn around when Ottawa got right back in on the unfortunate pick six that bounced off Drew Boletarski's hand? And all of a sudden, after a two-point convert, you were talking about a one-score game that never really felt that close. Well, if I told you I was seeing things, I'd be lying because I didn't. And I'm not that I, – I can't look into the crystal ball and see it like that. It was 25-9 with 2.38 left right in the game. And the, um, the pick six changed a little bit. But even then, uh, I thought the Bombers' defense would lock it down. The things that started to – you know, when you look back now at what happened in the in the second half, especially in the, in the final few minutes, is – uh, the Bombers just got tuckered out on defense too, right? That's pretty obvious on the couple of those touch, touchdown runs by uh, by Crum. Uh, they're already making T-shirts in Ottawa, from what I understand, that say the Crum back. So, um, I, uh, you know, the, the Bombers' offense was only on the field for eight minutes in the second half. So that means that I mean the defense was out there for 22 minutes. That's a crazy number in the CFL, and you know. I didn't see it in the moment, but the more you look at the black and white of the stats afterwards, you can see where things started to go sideways for this team. They didn't run the ball very well, made some mistakes at the worst times. And and then just at the end, it just looked like a team that had completely run out of gas. Let's give Ottawa full credit, but um, man, I'm still dumbfounded like a lot of people as to how it ended because I thought even at the end, they were going to get out of there with a W. It was, would have been an ugly one, but it would have been a W. Eddie, you have some pretty unique access. Uh, I've just got to ask you, what was it like around the team afterwards? I mean, uh, I would imagine a lot of the guys in the uniform were the same as the fans going, did, did that just happen? Yeah. You know, in the locker room afterwards, it was 
pretty quiet, uh, you know, what you wouldn't expect. There wasn't anybody throwing tables around or, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. There wasn't a whole lot of cursing and swearing. Nobody was pointing the fingers, which I've seen before. Uh, and the plane ride was quiet on the way back. But I, as I told someone earlier this morning, it's quiet after wins too sometimes, unless it's a playoff win. So, um, you know, critical now, and I'm stating the obvious is, is how they rep- uh, respond on Thursday. But I'm like a lot of people. I've circled that game in uh, August, that home game when BC comes back here as a real barometer or a way to get a gauge on where this team is at because – you, would, you could have said a couple of weeks ago that home loss to BC was a one-off, and, and then what happens on in Ottawa on Saturday is only going to uh, open some more eyes and, and cause some concerns unless the Bombers can kind of put that uh, to bed right, right away here against Edmonton and then a couple of weeks, too, against BC. I mean, listen, watching the game on... Um, anyway, you got that feedback again. Um, the... Uh, like Michael Chase won a lot of games, but I mean, they were already putting up the 87th win on TSN, like to pass Cal Murphy in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I mean, and I get it. Um, this is unlike, I mean, the, any loss they've had in a long, long time. I mean, what did, uh, what did coach O'Shea have to say about it? And how did, uh, I mean, he's very even keeled with the wins and the losses. This was such a strange loss though. Uh, how did the head coach kind of respond to it? Yeah. Um, I think the full interview, it wasn't very long. The post-game interview is about two, two, three minutes. It's on the website. He he was pretty straightforward about it. Again, he's not going to scream and yell. And I was watching your show before before I came on, Huss, and we were talking, you guys were talking about uh, blown leads or comebacks. And the one that popped into my head, and Jake Thomas reminded me of it in the locker room afterwards, was the, the loss in Montreal in September of 2019. The Bombers were up by 20 points going into the fourth quarter and ended up losing 38-37 with a uh, Vernon Adams to Jake Wynicke touchdown with six seconds left. So that's the most recent one I can remember. It's unfortunate. Like these games, that game I can remember calling the Montreal uh, meltdown. I don't know what I'd call this one, the capital collapse or something. I love the nicknames of stuff like that. So, and, and then there was the we call it the miracle on Matheson here a few years ago where Andrew Harris scored with no time left. If you remember that game. So it happens. Um, this is a veteran team. So as much as everybody wants to, you know, kick this bunch to the, to the curb now and say, oh, the sky is falling and the defense is terrible. Um, I say this all the time. This team uh, has won a lot of games. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt now. And then, like everybody else, they'll get judged in November. And I wouldn't be betting against them right now uh, if we can you know, see this thing get to the playoffs. You know, you mentioned that game in 2019. And and, and the funny thing is, is that we're just in a different era. I, I, I mean, like, in 2019, the team had still, at that point, hadn't won a great cup in almost three decades. And if that happens... Fans are like, oh, we've been here before. I mean, you're expecting what this with what this team has done over the last four years, playing at a level that most of us in our lifetimes have never seen as consistently from a Winnipeg football club. That's what makes Saturday that much more. I keep using the word inconceivable, but it really is, Ed. Um with the way that went down and I'm with you. Um, this team is too good, has too much experience um, to let this hamper them. And if anything, 
and I point to the game against BC earlier, I mean, these two losses and the way they lost them, and at some point, maybe it's a little bit of a reality check for a team that, frankly, has just won and won and won so consistently over the last little while. You'd hope that they can sort of take this, learn a couple lessons the hard way, and make them a better team starting on Thursday against Edmonton and certainly when BC comes back to Winnipeg in early August. Yeah, you're right. That's the that's the, the kind of you take a step back and look at this rationally and, and maybe the emotions of Saturday and Sunday have go away for a bit. You can, you know, reflect a little bit and not be so mad. Um, you're right. The, the circumstances are night and day compared to the blown lead in 2019 with the Great Cup drought hanging over everybody. And at that time, uh, they had just traded for uh, – hadn't even traded for, for Zach Caleros yet. So that shows you how far it seems like eons ago, doesn't it? But but um, again, we'll see how this this bunch responds. It is inconceivable still what happened on Saturday. It's not just about the ending. To me, there were some opportunities in that game to put it away. If uh, you know Dalton Schoen catches that one touchdown, I think uh, Ottawa mails it in the rest of the way. That's no disrespect to Bob Dice and his crew, but they'd go way up if, if that happens. There's just so many other examples. Um, I don't mean to pick on Dalton Schoen, but there's other examples in that game too. Fumbles, turnovers, the pick six. If uh, you know you can finish a play, they had six sacks in that game. If you if you get a seventh sack at any time in the last couple minutes, that that maybe ends the game too. Two two point conversions, Ottawa got too. So it's just crazy how it unfolded. Again, tip my hat to them. But now it's critical for Winnipeg to kind of get up off the mat and show us who they really are again. You, uh, you know, you mentioned sports betting, and I said to the guys, I'm like, I'm almost positive that that game was taken off the board. Hmm. I mean, you know, often they'll have live betting, and oh, you right. think a team might be able to come back and get a bigger number, but when games are basically over, they're over, um, and they disappear. That one, I think, disappeared, and uh, obviously the Ottawa Red Blacks didn't. I will say this, and again. You know, I mean, you know where I'm at on the side of this. I mean, you, you you hate to see that happen to the Bombers. I will say this. If I if that was going to happen to anybody in the CFL, let it be a team in the East, not, you know, happening the, the 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 West. And it took me a day to sort of go back and look at it, but I have to admit I was happy for Bob Dice. I mean, he is such a great guy. And, um, you know, with the adversity that they have been through early on this season – um, you know, I think just taking my blue allegiances away from it, you wonder whether that can be, you know, a real catalyst to um, turn a season around that was unfortunately going in a very bad direction after losing their first two QBs. And obviously, we always love a great underdog story. I mean, Crum, uh, listen, he didn't look very uh, QB1-like in the first half. But, man, was he there in the second half. I mean, from an Ottawa standpoint, a very special victory and something that, you know, maybe can turn that entire campaign around. You know, it's a good point, Hustle. We were in the cab uh, Friday coming back from the media availability at the stadium, and I remember saying to Derek Taylor, this is such a great uh, football town with such a storied tradition. If they could just get this team turned around, the, the place would be packed. It's a great place to watch a game. You're right about Bob Dice and the, you know, sort of the respect he has around the league. After the game, um, I'm walking to get onto the elevator to go down to the um, to do interviews, and I met one of the Ottawa assistant coaches who I I know, and obviously they're all jacked up, like it's Great Cup Sunday. And he he sh- shakes my hand and says, uh, 
we might have found our quarterback. And that says something because uh, he was their fourth starter already this year with uh, Nick Arbuckle, uh, um, the McGee kid, and, and uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli. So maybe they have something. It has, you know, people are pretty excited in Ottawa. Maybe they can get that building full again because it's pretty fun when it is full. And, uh, you know, I, for Bob Dice's sake, I hope that they do turn it around and maybe Crum is the answer. Well, I'll tell you what, if you saw that dude at halftime, he probably would have had a different, um, a, a different take on everything. Right. Would it take him 25, 26 minutes to get a first down in the game? Yep. I mean, that just makes what happened it was that much more incredible. Speaking of struggling teams, um, the Edmonton Elks are an absolute disaster. And now they come to Winnipeg taking on a bomber team that I'm sure is going to be in an ornery mood and has every reason to continue a foot on the gas performance for a full 60 minutes. This one, these are the ones that look based on, maybe it's the uh, aftermath of what happened on Saturday. These are the games that scare you, right? Because yep. uh, they come in, they're all in six. What have they got to lose, right? It's Chris Jones's team. They might just start throwing all kinds of weird looks defensively because that's his specialty. Supposedly it hasn't looked like that lately, but they, you know, they could throw all kinds of different things at Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, you don't want to have them get to one and six with a, another uh, home loss by Winnipeg. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it looks good on paper. It's tasty. I don't think it matters to anybody in the room over here um, who they're playing on, on Thursday. It could be Edmonton. It could be Toronto. It could be BC. You, you, you've hit the nail on the head. I think Warner is the right word. We'll see if that carries over onto Thursday. Uh, there was some good news today. Um, if you want to focus on the positives, Kenny Lawler's back. And um, listen, I mean, I think overall we've seen a bomber offense that's very capable, being right up there with the top in the league. They've still got Zach Caleros. Fourth quarter of Saturday's game, notwithstanding, um, still a ton of talent on this club. And now Kenny Lawler comes in. Um, what sort of a what sort of an impact do you expect Kenny to make, and 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 how do uh, do you have any idea how the roster might look different with Kenny being activated? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. It's in, it's in the nice problem to have category, right? You're going to yeah. have to take somebody out of that lineup, and you know Zach Caleros threw for 350 yards on Saturday. You know, and again they didn't rush the ball very well, but you add another weapon like that into the mix. I, I think he's the best uh, receiver in the league. Of course, Geno Lewis and Edmonton's hurt, but you can make a case for him. Dominic Rimes and BC, there's lots of good receivers, but I think Kenny Lawler is the best. And, you know, so, you know, you wonder what this does, right? Does this give more room to uh, Dalton Schoen? Does this give more room for Wallatarski who's having a great year, for Nick Dembski, you know, Greg McRae? Like it, there's, there's a lot of weapons now for for this offense and you get a guy like that he's he's got great hands Zach just has to put it up there near him and he's going to come down with it so it, it adds another element to this offense and you know when it was announced uh late this morning I know that and I tweeted out something and one of the first reactions was well how does this help the defense right just sort of an somebody teeing off again about what happened on Saturday well it helps the defense a lot because we just talked about how the offense was only on the field for eight minutes in the second half in Ottawa. If you get a Kenny Lawler out there, uh, you're going to stay on the field uh, more, or he's going to 
hit you with a home run ball and you're going to pile up point more points on the scoreboard. So I think it helps immensely. Yeah, well, Thursday night, they're back at it. We'll look to move on from Saturday's um, debacle. And uh, be wearing whites, too. Is that a new thing? Did they do that last year? I can't remember when yeah, we've had a white, a white game. It's We did have a white game. Um, it's just part of trying to mix it up. People wanted to see uh, some different things at, at home, see the whites and see the all blues and the alternate jersey. And we'll get back to the royal blues, too, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, just uh, I think it was last year was the first time we had worn white. I'll say this, um, and I'm sure everyone in that room would probably agree. You don't love the short weeks, but if there was ever a time to have a short week and to get right back out at it, uh, I would suggest that this is the one. Now, fill us in a little bit on how the week looks heading into Thursday for the Bombers. Yeah, so back on the practice field tomorrow, close to the media practice, and then Wednesday's walkthrough day, which isn't really a full practice, right? They just get out there and make sure everything's uh, uh, copacetic, so... Um, you're right about the short week, man, because uh, and then the Lawler news does switch the narrative a little bit, right? I'd hate to be hammering away on these guys because they're going to get more and more cranky as the week goes on with this game being brought up over and over again. So maybe one less day of being reminded about the collapse, the capital collapse, as I'll call it, I guess, will be a good thing around these parts. Um, I, I get, were you on the plane for the yeah. uh, for the second half of the doubleheader? I was on the plane, yeah, and uh, I watched it uh, yesterday at home. So uh, when we landed, the, one of the first things we saw was uh, some texts from people that, uh, that Trevor Harris had been injured, which might ultimately be the biggest news to come out of that game. But that's another crazy uh, CFL game, and it's good to see that that uh, we're getting back to that. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, truly an incredible day of football for the league. Bomber fans didn't want to play the uh, the role that they did in it. But um, as I said at the beginning, this is a weird time. Uh, listen, if you're of my vintage, you've gone through the, the drought as we have. Um, this team has just been so good and so consistent for so long that when something like that happens, it just seems that much more incredible. Uh, that being said, still a very good football team, still 4-2, be a massive favorite on Thursday against the Edmonton Elks. And uh, and I guess, is it a bye week after this and then the BC game? That's correct. Wow. So, I mean, go out, take care of business on Thursday, um, and then a little bit of rest and a extended practice week getting ready for uh, what I would imagine will be the biggest game of the season up until that point, considering what's uh, already trans, uh, taken place. Absolutely. It's uh, Thursday will be fun because we'll start to see how the Bombers respond but like even before what happened in uh, Ottawa happened, uh, I had that one in early August circled on my calendar because the BC Lions are for real. And um, after what they did to Winnipeg a couple weeks ago here, um, we're going to get a real good read on how these guys respond in the next two games. It's going to be fun as hell. Eddie, thanks so much for doing this as always. And uh, we'll uh, look forward to what should be a great game on uh, Thursday and then uh, maybe enjoy a couple days away from the office on that bye week. Yeah, we got some Valor, too, to talk about. So I'll be uh, covering a Valor game or two during that that uh, bye week, too. But, yeah, um, thanks for having me on. Ahas, as always, and uh, we'll see you on Thursday. Eddie, you uh, be well. Thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. There's Ed Tate. You can read and uh, listen to Mike O'Shea. Tons of great content at BlueBombers.com, even if you might not want to consume it, <laughs> considering the way uh, that game ended. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this CFL as well as some Jets news with Jeff Hamilton coming up. And then 
Simon Hildebrandt, the C-Cub, if you will, had the game winner on Friday night. Huge win and huge weekend for the Seabears. We'll get to that later on. It should be uh, should be really fun. Hey, uh, got to uh, thank our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market for their great support. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, get on down to any of the seven Winnipeg Vita Health Fresh Market stores. Barbecue season's in full swing. You can get down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks and wash them down with their sober carpenter beer or Zevia sodas. And, hey, I know a lot of you are probably doing some day trips, some picnics and whatnot. Head on down to Vita Health. Grab-and-go lunch is delivered fresh twice a week. And this month, get a free sapsucker drink with any Vita Market sandwich or wraps. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, Wallace & Wallace. Our Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist, busy right now, as you can imagine, as they've been the leaders in both since 1946. If you and your home or property need the security and protection of a new fence, or if Winter did a number on your old one, give them a call. They've got vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors as well. 452-2700 is the number. The Wallace and Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, guys, how's the closet looking right now? You're probably popping into a wedding or two over the course of this summer. Um, if you need an update in that wardrobe or just need to step up your menswear game in general, there's only one place to go and that is F Apparel down at 190 Smith Street. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you are in a wedding party, talk to them about a 15% discount for uh, all the suits when you guys get suited up at F Apparel. You can find out more in person at 190 Smith Street or check them out online or make an appointment to pop down and see them at F, that's EPHapparel.com. And hey, summer's in full swing right now. Always a great time to pop by and see our friends Nick and Nikki at one of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. Uh, they've got locations here in Winnipeg at the DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and of course, the very busy DQ out in Niverville, Manitoba. If you uh, are thinking about a DQ blizzard or ice cream cake for your next event, they can do it up however you want. Send them a DM at DQ Manitoba on Instagram with the photo of whatever you're looking to cook up. They'll get it made up for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. All right, Jeff Hamilton's going to join us in a few minutes. Uh, Michael Remus back here. And Remo, as much as we, uh, as much as we talked about the game, and we will, that uh, was some big news with uh, Kenny Lawler finally getting activated today for the uh, blue and gold, and he should be good to go against his former team, the Elks, coming up on uh, Thursday night. Game happening uh, on Thursday. Bombers hosting the Elks. I'm curious how he's going to look, and I agree. I think it you know, can only be good for the offense where you know they had so many of those two and outs. You'd like to think with another weapon like Kenny Lawler, uh, you'd be able to have the offense stay on the field longer, help out the defense in that way, but also make some of those big plays. And 
You know, if there was, you know, I know there was a couple of plays on Saturday, Hess, where you know the ball might have slipped out of the receiver's hands for a possible touchdown. Maybe Kenny Aller makes those. I don't know, but uh, it can only be good things uh, for the Bombers. And you hope that he doesn't have any of that that rust uh, coming back after this what six week layoff. Nice that that has uh, concluded. Yeah, no doubt about that. Shout out to everyone in chat, by the way. Hey, Dallas, Dallas is down in little Tokyo in L.A. Got a little WST on while on vacation. Right on, Dallas. Have a great trip. Should be a heck of a lot of fun. And a shout out to everyone else in chat. Hit that thumbs up, by the way. Let's get those likes up for today's show. Well, and listen, I mean, it's an auto like now because guess who's back? The one, the only Hammer himself, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. Hammer, what's good, buddy? How are you? Really good, Hustler. Had a great week in uh, the nation's capital weekend, rather. Um, always great to go back to a place I consider my second home. Certainly wasn't home sweet home for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as you guys got into off the top and then throughout Ed's interview, and I'm sure we're going to touch on that <laughs> epic collapse, as many are calling it, the crumbback. I thought that was a... Uh, <laughs> that's thought, a great that's a I'm great. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what do I call it? What, what, do we, you know, what, what opportunity can we... Uh, you know, and for some reason... The most obvious one staring me right in the face was uh, eluded me. So what a game, man. Um, you were there. At, at what point did you legitimately think the Ottawa Red Blacks had a chance of winning that football game? So based on the wording of your question, <clears throat> excuse me, the chance has to be the pick six. Because at that point, everything's kind of done and dusted. Game's kind of being put to rest. The Bombers' defense has already stopped the Red Blacks, not once on third and goal, but twice. It was almost, it seemed just inevitable that this game was just going to get shredded away, that, you know, it was going to maybe, not, not even be maybe be close, but it just wasn't going to happen. And then that pick six happens, and you're just like, okay, you know, they still need to get the two-point convert. So I think maybe once they got the Napahar first, Two-point convert, that's when you started to feel like maybe it was possible because, it, you know, you start looking at the clock and anyone who watches the, the league or covers the league knows how much can happen in those final three minutes when, the you know, the 20-second clock. And if you can, you know, you can certainly work it, especially with your timeouts uh, to your advantage, regardless if you have the ball or not. So I thought then, but I would, but, you know, and I'm not, you know, I, I know you asked Eddie kind of a similar question. And I thought, you know, I know he mentioned talking about ha at halftime to us and I'd already written my lead. It was... I wrote this in my, my five takeaways. It was like, we've seen a lot of convincing wins by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in recent history, but none seemed as inevitable as, as, uh, as Saturday. And while that, <laughs> that would suggest, well, that would suggest that, you know, I thought they were certainly going to win. There were some things in the second quarter that I think foreshadowed into the second half, particularly with the offense. Like I thought the offense looked sleepy. You know, I really did think that they weren't executing at a level that the defense was executing at and weren't able to take advantage of some of the things, you know, DeMero Houston interception for one, you know, really shove it down their throats and end that game. And, and so what the story of the second half, well, you know, it was really those last final dying minutes um, of the game, obviously, where the, where the thing completely flipped on its head. There were signs of that offense or that offense, that sleepy offense extended into the second half. And I wrote this down. I wrote this in my story, but I wrote it down because – I wanted to make sure I, I, you know, said it correctly. But of the nine of their six offensive drives in the second half, 
None lasted more than 92 seconds or consisted of more than five plays with five of those series ending with three plays or fewer. So, you know, and then the time of possession went from 921 in the first half uh, for, for Ottawa to nearly 22 minutes. And so, while yes, it was, it certainly was shocking, um, you know, improbable, certainly unpredictable ending. When you look at what was happening in the second half, it was only a matter of time to the to, until the Bombers' defense was out of gas. And the Bombers' offense, which I put this loss not solely on, but certainly a lion's share of, just couldn't move the field, didn't, couldn't move the chains. And when they did move the chains, you know, came up with, uh, you know, whether it was a Brady Oliveira fumble or a Dalton shown miss, you know, what should have been a walk-in TD. I mean, those those were moments in the game that you can look at and go, wow, if one of those would have gone right, you know, this this uh, this uh, would have ended much differently because the fact of the matter is Ottawa literally needed every last second to complete that comeback. So one play is certainly the difference, and there was a few of the Bombers could be looking at today or yesterday when they went over the, over the film. Yeah, it was uh, – I mean, listen, it was – if you had no skin in the game – I mean, if you were just like a Ryder fan or a BC fan or someone else watching that game, I mean. Or a Winnipeg Free Press beat writer. It was unbelievable. Incredible, <laughs> um, incredible um, drama and something. That, and as I said to Ed, like if this had happened five years ago, we would have said, oh, we've seen this team. It, it, what makes it even more incredible is is the standard that we've come to expect week in and week out from Mike O'Shea coach football teams for the better part of these last four years. And this is a very different loss than the one against BC at home earlier this year, where BC came in and pretty much whooped them for 60 minutes. And that was a real wake up call. I think I don't, I'm sure there are different things to be taken from this one. The bottom line is though, that this team I think the great teams never feel and can never feel that comfortable. And it just sort of felt like the Bombers felt too comfortable after putting up that big lead. And um, there wasn't that, to your point. I mean, there certainly didn't seem like there was a high level of urgency almost at any point. And even as the comeback was happening, it was like, well, wait a second. This game has been over for an hour. <laughs> What's going on? Well, desperation can be a dangerous thing, and in and and in, in the you know in in the case of the Ottawa Red Blacks, I mean, desperation had to have seep, seeped in. Like, I don't know what you're taking from that first half. The stats have already been talked about on this show: seventeen net offensive yards, three first downs, and a majority of that, which is not a lot, obviously, came in the the final couple minutes at the end of the first half. And and so you know, you look at. I know you give a lot of credit to, to Bobby Dice, and I think that's a, I think you certainly have to. I mean, you, you got to think that that locker room could have gone one of two directions, right? Just absolutely demoralized or, you know, saw maybe a, an 18-3 game that wasn't all that out of reach with some some good plays here and some strong defense, which, which we've really seen from Ottawa, I think, all season, um, that they, maybe they could get into this. But, I mean, the Bombers, I think what's, what's the kind of crazy part here, and you bring up week three's loss to BC, you're right. They got punched in the mouth. For 60 minutes in that game and, and and it was a wake-up call in this case you know what was it a was it a lack of urgency was it taking you know the foot off the gas those are and if it is those are incredibly uncharacteristic you know things for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who are who have kind of been known that if they have a tough start or you know and they've had a couple slow starts to this season you know that they, that they can kick it into high gear and not take anyone for granted in the final two quarters but I don't know how you don't make that argument so it's in this in this game, because either you do give it up, 
uh, or after, either you did have a lack of urgency or took the foot off the gas or you were just outright outskilled outclassed. And I don't know what is the better, you know, what is the better answer to that question. So, um, but it is interesting, Hassan. I said this in my game story and I, you know, I obviously truly believe it, but it is as wild as it sounds. I think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are, I, I believe the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going through more adversity in the first six weeks of this season than they have in the two previous years combined. You know, we look at what happened in 2021. It took them, or what, what was, or 2021, it took them 14 games or, you know, to, or 13 games or whatever it was to get to, to, to lose their second game. And 2022, it was 13 or 14 games, right? They've never really been in this kind of situation where they've, you know, and they're still four and two and, and, and certainly not anywhere, you know, out of conversation for, for finishing top in the West. But they are, they are, they are losing some of their shine. I think they're becoming, you know, you look at, I think everyone looked at BC and thought, okay, yeah, you know what, any given Sunday, this is a team that, you know, is going to have a bad game here or there. But when you, when you look at it a couple year, a couple weeks later, you know, especially after convincing wins over Montreal, um, you know, and, 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 um, and Calgary, that, that, that maybe that was in the rear view mirror. Well, now the, the conversation, you know, is, taken a very sharp turn back to that conversation of whether this team might be slowing down what you know is age becoming a factor all these things and it's certainly it's certainly you know again a world the bombers haven't been used to but one i think you can look at is and i don't call this a silver lining but you can look at it as an opportunity to really you know look inside and, and maybe not take maybe not buy into your hype uh, as much as as maybe they have been although i would i would make the argument that those conversations we have with players have remained the same. It has been that consistent process, consistent. We're in there. We haven't seen, you know, we haven't seen that kind of stuff on social media or anything like that. So um, I do believe this team's going to rebound, but uh, it might not be there. You know, it might not be just up to them rebounding, watching tape. There might be some other teams that are noticing some weaknesses, some holes here, and and have started to exploit them because now you got two tapes on what on on uh, on on the bombers on what can beat the bombers and i think that's a lot more tape or film than you would have seen in probably the last two seasons like i said combined well well let's talk uh, about the club right now and i mean I, i'm interested in your perspective on this um you know are there areas that you know should be concerning you know the coaching staff I, we've had a lot of people that were kind of saying uh, the o line doesn't look like what it's been in the past and you know, and I said to that, well, I mean, they look pretty good in the fourth quarter against Calgary. I mean, uh, doing the, you know, sucking the life out of them on a near 10-minute drive. Um, but it certainly hasn't been as consistently overwhelming as it has been in the past. I mean, is it the O-line or is there another area right now that when you look at this Winnipeg Blue Bomber team, you see that um, they definitely need to uh, to step it up? Yeah, kind of. Well, Kind of two positional areas, I think, um, and one kind of just you know like the one I say kind of is the offense because the offense is hasn't you know they've done like obviously when you have Zach Claris you have a lot of weapons on that offense obviously Kenny Lawler is going to be a lot of help here so that's good news for Winnipeg getting him back after missing the first six weeks but I just think it's one of those more consistent efforts right it's 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 being able to that if you're not going to score points if you're not even going to get three points the offense you need to move the chains a few times you need to be able to you know move the ball like in that game against in that game against Calgary like the offense was kind of sputtering like it wasn't doing a great job but then they reel off you know at that what that 15 play 99 yard drive that although doesn't end in a in a touchdown 
takes, you know, pretty much ices the game. They, they weren't, they haven't been doing that in some of the games, in particular their two losses is just giving their defense a little bit of a break. Positionally, I do think you have to look at the O-line. I mean, Brady Oliveira entered the game leading, leading the CFL in rushing yards in 400, with 400 yards in five games. Well, that's a little deceiving in the sense he's played an extra game. There's been a couple guys who are averaging more per game than him, but you need to establish that run game. Like That is the bread and butter for, for Winnipeg. I mean, you look at Zach Claris' stats yesterday. He threw for 354 yards with the, with, with the absence of a run game. If he would have that run game, I think you're getting more opportunities like we saw with Dalton Schoen drop pass yesterday where there is more explosive plays there is more big plays downfield I think the, the Bombers the offense yesterday or on Saturday looked a little bit more short kind of distance stuff that turned into bigger plays that ultimately in some cases turned into turnovers but um, I would say the offensive line it's just you know there's been games in BC it was the tackles it was Stanley Bryan and Jamarcus Hardrick and all the other games where they've kind of struggled it's been interior right and and you have two guys and two Yelly and Liam Dobson, I mean, at what point in time do you do you consider entering them into the mix and, and, and giving them an opportunity to, you know, maybe have a different look or give give rest to some guys or or you know, I don't even know. Like it, it's pretty it's pretty interesting to go after an O line that's been the bread and butter in this team, but it really has been kind of that, you know, it has been the, the weaker point this season. And so I, I don't think you can deny that from the tape. And the other one, the other one which is more recently, and I think we got a you know, I think we were in a, a little bit of the Greg McRae mania a little heavy after that, you know, that beautiful missed field goal return for 102 yards. But he looked like an intern at his first day at the job as a punt returner against the Red Blacks. I mean, they, I mean, he bobbled a couple. He Secure the ball, few. Greg. <laughs> and I mean, I give it I call it the Teddy Wyman curse because Teddy asked him and the day before what was the most important part about about uh about returning kicks and it was was ball control and before he could even come out with the second answer or second option you know greg mccray jumps on ball control it's the most important thing so you know maybe there's a little wyman jinx in there but anyways i just you know that needs to be a better sergio castillo's been nothing but advertised jameson sheehan's had a couple good good punts for sure and some that haven't really gone his way that have that have been so close to being, you know, gorgeous punts, but ending in, in rouges because they've just trickled into the end zone. In one case, you know, kiss the kiss the pylon. Um, but even, you know, in some instances, his punts haven't been nearly as, you know, a, a, as been effective. And so, field position, something that the Bombers have have certainly, uh, you know, had had in their tilted in their favor for a majority of weeks, is all of a sudden, all of a sudden, not really their strong point. So when you add up a couple of those things, I, I think the Bombers. The Bombers have proven to be beatable, and, and, and certainly those are areas that are being addressed, need to be addressed, and, and, and again, will be addressed as the Bombers continue to try to be the class of the CFL despite some hiccups here through six weeks. I do not envy the Edmonton Elks um, being the visitors on Thursday night coming in against a team that will certainly be in an ornery mood, and I'll tell you what, I don't expect them to take the foot off the gas if they do get up in the game Although, as Ed said, sometimes those are the games that make you the most nervous uh, when a team is such a big favorite like we saw on Saturday. They do get Kenny Lawler, and um, maybe you can give a thought on how this will happen. Obviously, we don't know officially what will, but um, how do they make room for Kenny, and how big of a boost do you think Kenny will be to this Bomber offense that has looked great at times and, as you mentioned on Saturday, uh, was sort of stuck in neutral for a while? Yeah, I'll answer the first or the second question first. I think it's going to be a massive, uh, you know, 
uh, jolt to the offense and already, like, you know, an already really good offense with, with a ton of options. Uh, Kenny Lawler is a unique player in that he's not just that burner that can beat you. He's a, he's a guy that, you know, different, different in the way that Duke Williams, you know, can do it in the CFL um, because he's not as thick and as heavy as, as a Duke Williams, but nonetheless, just as effective in, in turning what are often referred to as 50, 50 balls into, you know, a much favorable percentage for the receiver, just in his ability to contort himself and separate from receivers. He's the kind of guy that, especially with the chemistry and trust that, that Zach Claris already has with him, obviously having played with him for a stretch there in 2019 and winning a great cup with him that season. Um, you know, he knows that he knows where he can put the ball for Kenny. Right. I mean, they, and, and they picked that chemistry up right, right away, right. Right after the bombers were able to sign him in, as a free agent you know, they were talking already. They, they know each other well. Um, that's going to be just such, I think, it's just another it's not, it's just another game-changing receiver. And, you know, I mentioned Dalton Schoen. It's like, you know, you're give, I'm giving him a little bit of gears here perhaps in this interview, in this interview. But at the same time, he's been effective. It's just adding another guy like Kenny Lawler. Like, how much more open are other receivers going to be? He's a guy that you definitely need to pay attention to, need to know where he is at all times on the field. And and that's, I think that's going to be a guy who helps you open up your run game, um, just being that deep threat. And, uh, you know, certainly, again, good news for the Bombers. You, you, you can't help but wonder where this team would be if he was in the lineup the entire season and didn't have to go through this mess. But uh, he is back. And, 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 and as for what happens next, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, and would have been even more difficult had Janarian Grant not got hurt. Obviously, you don't want Janarian Grant sidelined, given how dynamic he is as a returner, and, what, and especially given what we saw from McCray and uh, you know against the Red Blacks. But now it's a decision between do you sit Greg McCray, who you know who certainly dazzled in, in for the offense in, in that game the you know the other week against Calgary, or, or do you or do you or do you start or do you play Carlton Agadosi? Because one of those guys, you know, is going to be the odd man out. Carlton Agadosi was already part of the numbers game before Janarian Grant got hurt and was on the, you know, was on the one game injured list despite being completely healthy for two straight weeks before he finally got into into this game. And to be honest with you, Huss, like I was, I was looking for it and I was listening to you know Derek Taylor and Doug Brown's call, and I don't think Carlton Agadosi got into the game until late. Like I'm talking fourth quarter late, and you know I wouldn't be surprised if that was his only snap or had or had less than two or three snaps. So you know I I know a lot of it's game planning and trying to exploit things, but I don't know how much you know how how in in a favorable position Carlton Agadosi is to move on. But it really is you know you look at you look at those players and Carlton Agadosi and, and Greg McRae, and they're two very you know while both have proven in the past to be effective, two very different players. You know obviously. Greg McRae gives you that that running threat as a natural running back and, and can contribute in, in special teams and usually versatility is what is what is what um, you know get his is pretty much your best asset or best option to put somebody in but then you look at Carlton Agadosi and what's his greatest asset well you know burner down the field big body well what are they getting this week they're getting Kenny Lawler a big body burner down the field do they now do they go from arguably none to two. Or do they keep, or do they keep, you know, keep Greg McRae and, and then and, and bring, you know, add, you know, obviously his versatile skill set to the mix, and then have Kenny Lawler as your as your, you know, your your outside option. That's probably where it's trending, given on 
given on the, you know, the evidence we've seen, you know, this season. However, we also know that game plans change week to week, and it depends on what your opponent is and, and what they offer. And maybe a guy's skill set like an Agadosi uh, could be, you know, could be what the Bombers need, uh, you know, against the Elks. You know, again, another similar skill set to a Kenny Lawler. But um, if you're asking me what you are, my guess is Carlton Agadosi comes out when, when, and Kenny Lawler comes in. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be a different. At least they would have some more options if Janarian Grant was back. But assuming well, that both Grant of those guys be would be back, out if Grant was out, you wouldn't have Greg. You wouldn't have Greg McRae or Carlton Agadosi if Grant was in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, I guess the game before threat, right? the game before they were both in. Um, but again, you know, there was Lola no Lawler at that Lola time. Wasn't in. So it's just, it's, it's literally like, it's, it's just, it's a game of inches often we call football. Well, it, the Bombers are dealing with a game of numbers when it comes to their receivers. No, that is, uh, that is exactly right. Jeff Hamilton is with us. Um, did you, I know you were working and you were in Ottawa. Did you see the Calgary Saskatchewan game afterwards, the second half of the doubleheader? So I was sitting outside. It started to rain outside Lansdowne. I'm looking at my phone and I'm starting to go through Twitter and I'm getting all these live up- updates. And Ted Wyman, who is already back, uh, back with one of his colleagues, our colleague Tim Baines from the, the Ottawa Sun, uh, started sending me text messages. Did you see hair? Or in, you know, he sends me a text: insanity in in Sats. And I go, okay. So I start looking. I go to I go to CFL.ca and I start looking at the scores. And it's like a, a three point game. And all of a sudden, Mason Fine is throwing a ditch ever I saw it on Twitter like it was all coming up that's what I love about Twitter too is that like you know you have the plays you have the you have the uh you have the you know the, the written plays from from you know people who are there people who are covering and then you have the replays and then you have the reaction and so that was just an absolute crazy crazy game yeah, you're not obviously. getting that on threads Remus yeah absolutely absolutely have to feel for for Trevor Harris um, you know of course he was that he brought a lot of optimism and, and we certainly saw that through the first you know, whatever half dozen weeks here, but I think Saskatchewan's in serious trouble, man. I think that, you know, like it was to me, their, their three and one, their three and one record was a bit of a mirage. Two of those victories were against Edmonton and one of them was gifted to them. And then of course the, you know, then of course it was the, you know, that overtime thriller against Calgary um, which they just lost to. So it's uh, it's a weird time in the CFL with quarterbacks. Not a lot of luck, but you know I'll go back to our original conversation. Hopefully what you can take out of this is that you can put a guy like Dustin Crum behind center and you have one of the most exciting stories in CFL history. Just kidding, CFL 2023 for sure. Yeah, no, it was a, uh, I mean, that was a memorable one and uh, Bombers haven't been on the wrong side of any of those, but uh, they were on Saturday and obviously... Um, They'll be looking to move on from that one and uh, head into the bye week with some momentum before huge game on the 3rd of August when the British Columbia Lions come back to Winnipeg for a rematch after that um, shocking loss, just the way that it happened earlier this season. Hammer, just before we uh, we go, um, not a lot going on in the Jets scene right now. However, Morgan Barron back with a, uh, well, I think a very reasonable $1.35 million AAV on a two-year deal. I think it was highly likely that this was going to be a uh, a two-year deal, you know, a little bit of a bridge deal, give him an opportunity to kind of further establish himself. And, you know, we talked earlier about just how good that Andrew Kopp trade looks right now with Morgan Barron, Brad Lambert, Elias Salmonson, and Thomas Millich being the pieces that came over from New York at that time. But Remus and I were looking at the RFAs, Velarde's going to get a new deal. That will not go to arbitration. As I said, it's 
there's just no way that you start off a relationship with a new player like that by going to ARB. And cool. then there's Rasmus Kapari and Logan Stanley as the other RFAs. Um, we haven't talked a lot about Logan Stanley. And in fact, when we've been talking about the blue line, we've usually been talking about the six guys that are sort of regulars right now. Logan's in a little bit of a lo- no man's land. You got a guy, Declan Chisholm, that's no longer waivers exempt. You assume will probably get a chance. Where are you on Logan Stanley's situation right now? And um, how do you see that playing out, whether it be here in Winnipeg or potentially elsewhere? Yeah, I, I can't help but to think Logan Stan- the priority of Logan Stanley is so far low right now as far as what their you know pieces of business are. And, and it's interesting to say that because he's been kind of attached to everything, right? Like he's been attached to all trades in, in, in respect and that he's been a piece of the bar of bombers the jets um have clearly been looking to move but like we've seen with several other players clearly have a price that they want reached and it's one it's getting to a point which hasn't been reached clearly it's getting to a point where it's almost i don't even really know how to describe it other than to say it's like having this thing that you that you believe his value is so high and like in some in some weird way, it's just diminished over time because you're not getting like what like you could make the argument that Logan Stanley's value was a lot higher two or three years ago when he was younger and had less NHL experience than what he's been able to show through his experience and then adding on age here. It's like you know, it's almost and maybe that value change is marginal um, because you, you could probably make the argument it wasn't crazy high before, but. You know, this is a guy who clearly look. He like he likes what's going on here, right? He likes you know as far as the city, as far as the market, as far as the team that drafted him, as far as his teammates, all those things. But as you kind of touched on before, I was on us. It's like you get to a certain point where you start looking at your age and your you know your your potential earnings and your and you correlate that with your playing time and your opportunity on the blue line and like there's no one in there. You know, anyone in their right mind would, would, you know, request a trade from the Winnipeg Jets, you know, and I use the verbiage is important here. Requesting a trade and demanding a trade are two different things. You don't often see a lot of demanding or when you do see demanding trades, it's like, I want out of here. You're not so, you know, you don't say I demand a trade, you request a trade, but it's a heck of a lot, you know, less polite. You're, you know, you're saying you're out of here. You know what I mean? Whereas, Logan Stanley's saying, I want more opportunity in Winnipeg. I want to be part of this organization. I'm just not getting that opportunity. And therefore, I've been playing this, you know, game of musical chairs on the blue line with this team for so long. And I'm, I'm getting up there in age, time to maximize my opportunities. And I think that's the situation that Logan Stanley finds himself in. I think it's a lot more serious to Logan Stanley than it is to the Winnipeg Jets. Unfortunately for Logan Stanley, he hasn't maximized his opportunities because if you talk about young defensemen in this team, I don't think you can argue that anyone has had more run and more chances than Logan Stanley is. And unfortunately for Logan, um, he in the top six right now. He's been. Well, I'm not making that argument. I'm not making the argument that he's done that. I'm just saying he's looking at what he probably says he hasn't. He'd probably have a little bit of an argument to you in in the fact that he feels like he deserved a little more opportunity. I mean, you can certainly make the argument that he's had plenty of opportunity. I'm sure he can make the argument he hasn't had enough opportunity. But the fact of the matter is, opportunity laying in front of him, given all the things you just said, 
is not is probably it's probably better in somewhere else in the NHL outside of Winnipeg. Yeah, and uh, you know, as I say, you know the the entire the entire conversation about the Jet Blue Line, um, you know, will continue right up until training camp when they've got to make some tough decisions. Uh, but I mean, Logan Stanley's now played 114 games for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but only 19 of them were last year. And right. it basically speaks to where he is on the depth chart right now. And every year you get to this point and there's another one or two guys that, you know, you want to take a look at. You want to see if they belong. You want to find out what you have. Uh, and, uh, and none of those other guys have 114 games under their belt being able to show and, and really playing in, you know, I mean, that one year that he had where he was quite solid, I mean, he was somewhat sheltered. Maybe he was just in the right spot for him playing on that third pairing. Um, but it, I, 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 I'm, I'm less convinced that there's a future for Logan here in Winnipeg going forward because of the other number. Now, you know, if a player or two from that top six was traded, maybe that changes and he gets another chance and, you know, you earn what you uh, what you get. But... Like you I mean, said, he's me, probably not even. What option do you think? If if one or two guys gets traded, do you think he still cracks the top six? I mean, I guess it depends on who, and it and and it obviously depends on what Declan Chisholm does, what Vili right? Hanela do, because right? I don't think that he's in, in a stratosphere way above those guys. I mean, I think he's oh. a question mark, just like and in fact, those guys are maybe a bit more question marks. But that's why you need to get them in and see more, particularly Chisholm. Um, who's no longer waivers exempt. Um, oh, and we haven't even talked about Kyle Capabianco, who has That's a contract for next year on a one-way deal. So exactly. uh, it's crowded Denver's right now. Much ahead of him on the depth chart. I mean, he's cemented, and I'd argue that top six at this point. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Dylan Sandberg, I mean, no, no doubt about it, especially with the uh, with the new deal. Uh, so as I said, th- this next little while will be it will be interesting. First of all, in the contract situation to see what happens, you know, with Logan Stanley's deal. I think we're probably talking about a one year deal in and around league minimum. Um, and then as they say, you know, whether he like I don't think they would want to lose him on waivers, and I'm pretty sure they would. I mean, if they tried to send him down, someone else is just seeing a big six, seven guy. Somebody would block him, man. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And taking a swing. And, you know, when you consider they traded up for him to get that, they've put a lot into Logan Stanley. I don't think that they would want to go that route. Um, But at the same time, I mean, much like Johnny Kovacevic, uh, you know, was picked up by a team that had a spot for him last year. Um, You know, if you do put one of these young guys that are not waiver exempt on the waiver wire, You'd have to think they get picked up, so that will be something that we'll uh, we'll see very soon. And I'm sure you agree. I mean, no chance that Gabe Velarde actually gets to uh, um, put it this way. If it did get to arbitration, that would be maybe the worst possible way to start a relationship with the very key player that you just brought in and the biggest trade of the off season. They'll get something yeah, done. I don't think I've week. ever heard a, a positive story or spin on <laughs> on a player going to arbitration that that ever Before works even out plays a game for, for the player. <laughs> yeah, and I, so I think that's certainly not going to be an issue, especially because we're not talking about a guy who's going to be you know breaking the bank. He's going to be getting a raise, but I don't think we're talking about a guy who's breaking the bank here. So yeah, it's it's certainly interesting. I mean, we haven't even really talked, or we haven't talked, and I don't know how, if if. Where your head's at, but I mean, there's still two players here in Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley that are still very much Winnipeg Jets, and and some of those important milestones we we spoke about um, have passed. 
as far as dates. And so I, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued because I, you know, I, I think we are leaning more towards the possibility of seeing both those guys, members of the Winnipeg Jets next season. But I do think there's some looming deadlines here um, based on a little bit of what I've been hearing, but also based on a bit of common sense. You don't trade guys deep into the summer. You know what I mean? Usually you're, you have a deadline for, for teams who are interested to give you their best options or trades. And I'd be fast. I think it'll be a fascinating couple of weeks here as, you know, teams, you know, as we get closer, as we inch closer to the hockey season and teams take a closer look at, look at their, you know, at their rosters and, and their, you know, their divisions and their competition and, you know, a 42 goal scorer and a perennial Vesna, you know, winning goaltender, both of whom are on, you know, are, are both of whom are on uh, expiring contracts and, you know, buzz that they probably aren't going to sign long-term extensions. Those would be two guys I'd be looking for. I think this could be a certainly an interesting end to to the month of July. Well, and and you know it's it's funny you bring that up. I mean, the team. I, I, listen, I think Connor Hellebuck's going to probably be back to start the season. I mean, unless something significantly changes, where a team all of a sudden has way more cap space and can really consider making a move and signing him long term, and it doesn't seem like that's been the case. The Shifley situation for me is very different. And to me, the Boston Bruins are the most interesting team. I mean, they we have heard reports that they are proceeding as if they won't have Patrice Bergeron and they won't have David Krejci, essentially two of their top centers last, last year. I mean, if that if that is official, and I mean, I haven't heard that Bergeron has retired. I have not heard officially that Krejci is going back. And maybe they're negotiating the hell out of these guys, trying to give them one more year. The other thing that we've yeah. heard, Jeff, is that you know they're waiting to see what's happening with Elias Lindholm because given the two potential centers, they'd prefer to have Lindholm than Shifley, and I get that. I mean, certainly when it comes to the 200-foot game, and actually for this year, Lindholm's less than $5 million. I mean, Shifley's yeah, exactly. still got a bargain contract, but Lindholm might be one of the best in the entire league. So maybe they're waiting for that to happen. But if the spot in Boston doesn't open, and listen, there can always be some teams that we're not thinking of or haven't heard anything of that maybe we'll circle back to it. Um, you know, you do wonder what that means for the Jets. Are they going to bring him back? And will they be committed, regardless of what happens with this season, to trading him at some point this season or trading with the deadline if they have sort of decided internally that they're not going to be extending Mark for a big money deal. That's going to take him well into his, uh, his thirties. Well, wouldn't that be an exciting week or two in Winnipeg? Um, if, if both of those players were to, you know, enter this season and what does that make, you know, you look at the lineup now and, you know, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about this, obviously, about the locker room culture and the need to, you know, clean it up a little bit. And certainly moving on from Blake Wheeler was was a was a positive step in that direction. You know, does that change how Mark Shifley, you know, does, you know, some of his business in the locker room? Maybe, maybe not. What to what effect does he have there? Because if if you can if if he can I don't even know what the word would be, if he could you know, maybe alter or evolve with the changes here. You know, that could be a pretty dangerous team. It's certainly a dangerous team on paper. Uh, that's kind of the dangerous thing in Winnipeg, right? On paper, hasn't exactly panned out for this organization. Um, but in, on paper, for sure, if, if they can, if they can translate that 
that onto the ice and play a, you know, play well and do ultimately what they did last season through the first half of the year and, and, you know, battle for top spot in the conference and the division and then move into the summer or sorry, move into the second half of the season and then still continue to play and not have those wheels fall off because by the deadline, the wheels were falling off. I mean, we, it, you know, they kind of had their answer. If, if it was anything like last year, um, especially since you've, you know, went through a situation like last year, you probably are looking to deal them. It's a little more justifiable, but if you're doing well and the whole point of this was to convince these guys to sign long-term and, and you, you know, you're finding out by the deadline, that's not happening. Um, I think it's going to be a, a much tougher pill to swallow for fans to see some guys go and uh, you know, then see what happens after that with the, with the rest of the season, if the jets are in, you know, in prime position, because I, I really do think, and we talked about this Haas, like, as much as as much as or as important as it is to to you know to get value out of out of your key players before their their last contracts expire and they move on to you know a different organization, um, I think it's almost equally and might maybe viewed in some corners even more important to get this team back on track and some of the good vibes back in this back in this uh, city you know back within the fan base and you know you know. A, a good playoff run and I know some fans might be rolling their eyes here and I'm certainly not making the argument that the Jets are in a position to go on some deep playoff run next year but that if they do manage to do that that could that could go a very long way to to just cleaning some of the things up even at even if at the end um, you know you no longer have a Mark Scheifele or Connor Hellbuck and again I know some fans are probably smashing their tables at that even that suggestion but you know here we are in late July you know there is potential certainly for both of those deals to get done, but if the, if we go into the season um, with both you know fifty five and thirty seven you know on this team, there's very much a possibility that they could they could be leaving for nothing. Well, and, and listen, I'll say this, and I mean I am someone. Listen, I've been talking about the potential of a Shifley move longer than probably anyone. This goes back a couple of years. I thought the timing was right. There was a real opportunity considering his contract to make a deal that would have that potentially could have been a game changer with what came back to Winnipeg. Obviously we're in a very different spot. And do I think the jets are realistically going to be competing for a cup? Probably not as much as I'd love to see that. Um, And you've got Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck on expiring deals. I certainly am of the opinion that if you can get fair market value for them, you make those moves, but I'll tell you what, there has not been fair market value. It's very clear on what has been that. In fact, the market, especially for Shifley, is far less than I think most people would have expected. I'm not sure that that continues through the season, and I would expect that that wouldn't be the case at the trade deadline based on history. But honestly, if the Winnipeg Jets were forced with deciding whether to keep those guys and make a concerted run at doing some damage in the playoffs and being a much better team going into that or taking 40, 50 cents on the dollar for either of those players. I mean, I kind of think that the value to the team in the short term might be better than that. I mean, these guys are, are such important parts of the last 10 years of Winnipeg Jets hockey that if they're traded, you would expect them to bring back some significant returns like a Pierre-Luc Dubois did. Um, but I know we've heard from a lot of folks that just simply has not been the case. And there's a number of factors in it. But unless that changes, if I'm shoveled off, I'm not pulling the trigger and getting an underwhelming return for two guys that, you know, are difference makers right now. Well, it's interesting you say that because that was a concern for this organization well before the, the 
well before the team was eliminated, um, you know, in game five to the Vegas Golden Knights. It's been something that they've been thinking about, particularly around Connor Hellebuck, about what the expectation is going to be amongst the fan base for the return of Connor Hellebuck and what the potential return actually will be. Um, and as you mentioned, Huss, I think it's pretty clear. It's not like I don't think clearly teams aren't throwing a, you know, too good, you know, too good to turn down contracts here. I mean, I think, you know, we spent, as we saw that with Pierre-Luc Dubois, now that was a bit, a little bit of a different circumstance given, you know, kind of where he said he'd go and, and whatever. But um, as far as him signing a long-term deal to maximize that, 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 uh, that trade, right? So, um it's a little bit different, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned, you know, not willing to do 30, 40, 50 cents on the dollar. We've seen this organization probably not be willing to do 75, 80, 90, 90 cents on the dollar, right? Like we've seen a reluctance from this organization to even be perceived as losing the trade, right? Or, and so, you know, I, I think, you know, couple that with the fact that the market is somewhat completely changed, not just, you know, the goalie market's been, it's changed in the sense that, there's so many examples of goaltenders who have, you know, put together maybe not similar, you know, similar careers to that of Connor Halbach, but certainly close. Um, and even better in some cases, I should say, if you look, if you go deep enough in history and that how, how is that translated, you know, given all of that success, how much more of that success can you expect? And can you, you know, we all know careers don't last forever. And so signing a guy to a seven, eight year deal, um, you know, what do you what are you going to be gained in the back half of that deal? And then you see, you know, the way teams are, you know, especially with the Vegas Golden Knights, kind of showing that you don't need a, you know, a bona fide number one guy, a, a, a workhorse, if you will, that it's better off to go a couple different options. And, you know, it's interesting too, right? We've talked about this in the this already this summer, and that, you know, Laurent Persois creates a fascinating situation because I think you have a guy who's who you don't necessarily want. Uh, you know, as your starter full time, I'm sure there's some fans out there believe that Laurent Persuade could be the starter. I just think with his injury history, um, he's just not the guy who can, you know, who can who can carry that reign. But he is a guy that you can certainly complement, and it's shown that you can complement with another goalie who isn't as strong as Connor Halbach, but might be just as productive under a much lesser workload. Um, so it, it, it is interesting. I do I do think the Laurent Persuade situation creates a little bit of a safety net for the Jets to get rid of a, you know, to trade a guy like Connor Hellebuck. But at the same time, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting situation because I don't think, you know, a lot's been talked about with Connor Hellebuck and wanting to play in the U S um, you know, wanting to sign that next big long-term deal in, uh, you know, south of the border, but he still has another year on his contract. So, you know, what might, what, what might those opportunities be? You know, I, I look at a team like Toronto, I'm fascinated with what's going on with William Nylander there. Um, you know, what's going on with, you know, they certainly would love a guy like Connor Hellebuck to join their team for one season. They probably, you know, they definitely feel like they're, you know, marching towards that being that Stanley cup winner. Um, how much would that affect there? And, and I do think that, you know, you, I, I would be, the other thing I'd look at for trades involving Shifley or, or Connor Hellebuck is one of those weird three-way teams. Hearing a lot of action about the potential of trying to get other teams involved, but um, we'll see. Like I said, I think it's going to be a, an interesting couple of weeks here because once we get into August, it's much less, it's much less, um, there's much less activity. So we, we, I think you look here, over the next 10 days, two weeks. And uh, there could be, there could be some potential for fireworks. However, we've heard that we've heard that potential for fireworks a lot. We did get some 
some for sure this summer, but you know there is potential for more to come here as we uh, as we inch closer to the hockey season. A last one on the way out. Um, from an organizational standpoint, and I'm sure, put it this way, there's probably a different answer if you asked Kevin Chevaldeoff than say Rick Bonus, um, or other people in the organization. But if they were going to be able to trade one of the two and keep one of them back, who do you think that they would rather? move and rather keep um you know going into next season between mark shifley and connor hellebuck yeah it's you know what it's interesting that i i I think from a positional standpoint if you could maximize the return for each player because i i think what it comes down to is the is the return i mean Mm -hmm. you could i could say mark shifley if someone calls and give and wants to give you their future for for connor hellebuck or elite or even some of their present i mean if he can warrant the bigger return which i think some people might argue, you know, we'll be the guy that do it, then, then it's Connor Hellebuck. However, if you're looking from a team standpoint and competing with next year, and, and, and again, if you can maximize whoever you trade's contract, or, or sorry, or can maximize the deal in, in your return, then I think it's Mark Scheifele. I mean, look, if, if this team, you know, Mark, Connor Hellebuck means more to this organization than Mark Scheifele uh, Mark Shifley certainly has meant a lot to this organization and will mean a lot, you know, if he does, if he does stick around next season, right. We, we know he's got, you know, that 42 goals is a, is a thing any team wants. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think if you're looking to, again, if, under the preface that you can maximize the return, what that would look like for, for Mark Shifley, I'm not sure, but I think you would probably trade him over Connor Hallibuck because I think when it comes down to, what you want to achieve next year, be a retool, you know, compete, actually think you have an opportunity to compete for the Stanley Cup. If you're deciding between those two guys, I think Connor Hallibuck needs is quite obvious the choice. Yeah, no, uh, and, and and to be honest, of those two, I think that if we're talking about circling back and maybe still taking another crack at an extension, I think it's more likely for Hellebuck than Shifley as well. Hammer, you great do. stuff. Interesting. Um, have a uh, have a good a short week for the Bombers. I know you'll be uh, all over it, getting ready for the game on Thursday, and then a uh, little bit of time off. Maybe we'll get some big Jets news during that time. The Bombers are off for a week. That would be very convenient, I'm sure, for all of us. Uh, thanks for uh, the time. Glad you had a good time out in Ottawa. Still can't believe that game. <laughs> we'll be talking about that one for a while, I think. Always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, short week for the Bombers, short week for me. I just got one day off today, and then I'm back on the beat tomorrow, but I got the entire bye week off next week, so I'll be able to to sleep there. Thanks for having me on and shout out to the, uh, the viewers. You know, you make the show beauty. Thanks hammer. Uh, there's Jeff Hamilton at Jeff K Hamilton on Twitter. And of course you can, uh, read his recap. He was there in Ottawa on Saturday for uh, a game that, as I mentioned, we probably won't soon forget. Um, but Hey, it's right back at it on Thursday. Bombers hosting the Elks and the princess auto tailgate party will be rocking beginning at 5 30 p.m if you are heading to the game get there early enjoy 350 popping hot dogs five dollar beers dj finesse spinning before a game it is the place to be before all blue bomber football action and of course princess auto proud sponsors of winnipeg sports talk and the bombers and the place where you get the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new at Princess Auto, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West are the two locations in Winnipeg, and you can always shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. I saw Joe from uh, Consolidated Supply at the last game. In fact, a whole bunch of the Consolidated Supply crews out there, big, big bomber guys, and 
very busy this summer because, of course, they are the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and new and used golf carts is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. Uh, whatever you need in those categories, they've got you covered, not to mention other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And of course, they are the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at their showroom, open to the public. They're at 1395 Niaqua Road East. Or find out more and check out their website online at cte.ca. Uh, well, our, uh, the gang at Royal's busy. Uh, got some more big sales coming up this summer, and I think a couple more tent sales before we get into September. But right now, we've got the jersey numbers. We know there's a 9 with Alex Iafalo and a number 13 with Gabriel Velarde, 15 with Rasmus Campari. Want to be one of the first on your block or of your crew to have one of the newest jet numbers on your jersey? Get on down to Royal Sports. They've got the best selection of Winnipeg Jets merchandise and gear, not to mention tons of exclusives when it comes to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as well, and so much more. Sea Bears hats, Valor FC, all the local stuff, and of course, NFL season, what we're eight Sundays away from NFL kickoff. Uh, they've got all your favorite teams covered down there as well. And while you're at it, soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, disc golf, a huge selections of bikes and more. You got to see it in person for yourself. 750 Pembina Highway at Royal Sports Pembina on Instagram. And a shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. I uh, tried the new beef antejitos last night. Very interesting appetizer uh, that they've got now coming up. I have not yet, but I'm looking forward to trying the new Korean chicken, a uh, Korean barbecue chicken sandwich as well. It's part of the new feature menu for summer right now over at Boston Pizza. They've still got those ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and more. You can order online at bostonpizza.com or uh, get on out for the game tonight or any night at your local Boston Pizza. All right, we will do our Cinnaboy Downs picks coming up in a few minutes. But what a weekend it was for the Winnipeg Sea Bears. Two more sellouts. Huge crowd yesterday, in excess of 6,400. I think they opened up about another 1,000 seats for the game yesterday. Um, but Friday night, I was there courtside, and it was Winnipeg's own Simon Hildebrandt, the uh, Bison star and U-Sports Rookie of the Year, who continued just his phenomenal year as a pro playing with the Winnipeg Sea Bears, He hit the game winner. You probably saw it on Instagram or Twitter before with the highlights from it. But um, this team continues to roll. Big win yesterday against the Calgary Surge. They're now one win away from clinching top spot in the West, heading into the playoffs and the playoff tournament out in Vancouver. And uh, we figured what better of a time coming off the uh, big weekend for his team and the big game winner on Friday that we welcome in Winnipeg Simon Hildebrand of the Winnipeg Sea Bears to WST. Simon, great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk for the first time. And uh, congratulations, you and the fellas took care of business in front of a couple sold out crowds. That was a fun weekend, I'm sure, for you guys. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was, it was a great weekend for us. Um, this, I mean, we got a lot to get to because, of course, you know, when and I should introduce you as well, not only one of the uh, big contributors of the Seabears season, but also star of the U of M Bison men's basketball team and the rating U Sports Rookie of the Year. 
Uh, I imagine, though, this last couple months has been a bit of a whirlwind, uh, probably for everybody involved with the Winnipeg Sea Bears, but certainly for you coming off a really successful year with uh, Kirby Shep and the Bisons going right into a pretty prominent role with uh, with our professional team here in the peg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, been a crazy couple months for sure, just going from like, like U of M season where like we, we got upset kind of in the semis and how we wanted to and just like kind of keep working in hopes of playing for the Sea Bears and keeping that CBL thing alive. So yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy couple months. Let me ask you this. Um, at what point did you know about this CEBL? At what point were the Sea Bears on your radar? I mean, of course you were the first ever draft pick by Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, but at one point did you even know this was going to be an option for you? Yeah, so like I'd followed the CBL a little bit prior to like us getting a team. And I was like, I don't know, like I after my first year, I'd been like talking to a couple of my assistants, like, hey, like if you keep playing well, like this is a real possibility. So, you know, and I saw Winnipeg got a team and I was like, I know a lot of the teams like to draft local guys because a lot of the esports guys don't play like a there aren't huge, huge minutes here and there. So it's nice to kinda have a have a local guy and then you can like help out your local programs too. So yeah, and then I kind of, like, uh, I met Mike, uh, like, towards, like, the end of my U-Sports season, just, like, introduced himself, and, like, hey, like, we're kind of, like, interested in you, like, we're, I just want to, like, put myself out there, I know he came to, like, us and U of W, just kind of get a feel for, like, the local guys, and then kind of at the draft, like, they took me first, and it was it was awesome, it was super exciting, so. Yeah, I, I imagine that, th- at that moment, it sort of must have become real, um, were you following the draft that day? I mean, obviously, this is a newer, smaller league. I mean, it's not like, you know, what the NHL did in Nashville a couple of weeks. Did you just get a phone call? Were you following it? and uh, Or did you know they were going to tab you number one? No, I kind of like, I, like, I talked to Mike, but I, I didn't know anything. So I was just like, I was like working out at the gym. And then I came back and I kind of like saw my phone blowing up. And that's kind of when I, when I found out. So... <laughs> uh, well, uh, that was the beginning. And uh, I'm sure it's just gotten better from there. Um what were your expectations going into the season? I mean, I will admit, obviously, this is the first time we've really been introduced to the CEBL, but I kind of figured that the local players and the U Sports players would be, I mean, honestly, would be challenged to get significant playing time. And uh, every time I go to a game, you're out there, significant minutes, making big shots. I mean, you've had a huge role in the success of this team so far this year. Yeah, like... A lot of the esports guys like don't play huge roles in these teams. Like they play a couple of spot minutes here and there, but I've just been like very lucky and super grateful to be like a big part of this team. And yeah, like coming into the summer, I was like, hey, like I'm gonna just try to learn as much as I can from all these guys because being a really young guy, all these guys are where I aspire to be one day, like be a professional basketball player. So coming in, I just had the mindset like I'm just gonna work as hard as I can and learn as much as I can. And it, hey, it paid off. Like these guys kind of see me and they believe in me and, and they gave me a shot and I've been, I've been playing well. So, you know, for everyone that's been out to, uh, out to Canada life center this season, um, you know, they have been a part of what has just been, I mean, such a fun atmosphere. And I don't think anyone had huge expectations for the club just because it was new it was an expansion team. I mean, you really don't know, what was uh you know what was going to be put on the court you just knew that it was going to be a fun atmosphere um 
it just keeps getting better, as does your team. Mm. As a Winnipeg guy, I mean, just how much fun has this been experienced to be part of it? And what have you and your teammates noticed about the way you guys have been supported in comparison to, frankly, the rest of this league? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like, as a Winnipeg guy, like, I know that Winnipeg really gets behind the sports teams, especially if you if you're passionate about the way you play, like uh, if you like, even if you lose games, but like you, their visual effort is there, like Winnipeg will get behind you and really root for you. So I know like, like I, I kind of knew that going in and Chad kind of knew that a little bit as well. But all these guys, like, especially like our home opener, like broke the attendance record by crazy. And like people were just like trying to get tickets every game. That's just like best fans in the league. And especially being a Winnipeg guy, it's, such an unbelievable feeling. Well, and, and 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 I mean, listen, I I um was at the uh, I mean epic playoff game between your Bisons and the uh, and the Westman, and obviously that didn't end the way you guys would have uh, would have liked to with the uh, the Westman winning and moving on. But I saw the Sea Bears set up at that game, and you walked in and saw it. I mean, arguably that is the biggest matchup between the Bisons and Westman. Yeah in the history of the rivalry on the men's side of things. And the atmosphere was incredible, the support. And you realize, like, this, there really is something here. And, I mean, obviously, yeah, I mean, hey, listen, they were there. I I think they did a great job at sort of connecting people, letting people know that this was coming. Um, And obviously, having involvement from yourself and Chad Posthumus and Sean Moran from the Westman side, um, you know, I think really set it up to succeed. That being said, has the amount of support you guys have had, the crowds here in Winnipeg, has that even surprised you? And I, I'm interested in what other guys that have played elsewhere in the league that are on this team have to say about their experience as a Seaver. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe like a little bit surprising. Like, yeah, I always knew, kind of like I was saying, like Winnipeg's fans are always like the best. Like you look at the, the Jets, the Bombers, like they're always, always there to show out. So I kind of knew. That, like I was surprised it took us five years to get a team, right? Because this, this is the fifth year of the league, and I know, I think Winnipeg has a great basketball community, and yeah. So like seeing these fans come out and show every game has been crazy. I think all of my other teammates like who've played in the league before, it's like yeah, whatever. Like get like a two thousand, three thousand fans in, I'll cheer a little bit. And you get to Winnipeg, and it's like we're playing in an NHL arena that we're like selling out the whole lower bowl and it's just crazy. So I think it's been, it's been an awesome experience for everybody. Well, it, it has been, it has been such a success and what is added to it is just how good you guys have been this year. Yeah. Um, you know, comfortably in first place in the West right now, after the two wins on the weekend at 11 and six, it just pumped Calgary yesterday and you can officially, I guess, clinch the first spot in the second end of the home and home with Calgary, who's eight and eight coming up later on. Um, but I have to ask you just about the team, um, you know, from game one to where you guys are together, how would you assess how this season has gone? And I mean, for you personally, it seems like you're more comfortable playing with these guys every time you get out there. Like I know like, uh, coach Mike Taylor, like preaches like our strength and continuity, like every other team in this league has, they just bring in new guys like every week and then switch out guys here and there. Like, we played Vancouver three times and we've had a, a whole different scout each time we've played them because they just switch up their, their lineups every time. So like we've had the same like 11, 12 guys all year. We haven't made like any changes. 
And so just that, like, yeah, like being able to play and practice with these guys throughout the year, just our chemistry has gotten so much better. I think that's a huge advantage over all these other teams that are continually switching up. So, Simon Hildebrand of the Winnipeg Sea Bears is with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, listen, you played a big, big role, had the winner on Friday, um, but are still a rookie, still a very young player. Um, who have been the guys that you've leaned on the most or maybe teammates that have helped you the most in addition to the great work the coaching staff's done? Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, every single one of these guys has helped me in some sort of way. Like anytime I have like a question here, they're like, I, I room with Chad on the road and he's been awesome. Just like giving me so many tips and he's obviously like much older than me and he's played multiple places pro and has so many stories and advice. And if he could do something differently here, I know guys like EJ, I've been like shooting with EJ after a lot of our home games. And like, he plays my position. Like a lot of times, like, somebody in your position, maybe you like you butt heads a little bit because you want to play a little bit more than this person or you want to kind of get the advantage on this guy. But he's just been so awesome. He's helped me so much, like little tips here, like, oh, I get beat on this kind of move. He's like, oh, when I, I find like doing this when this happens here. And another guy is like AJ, because uh, AJ Hess was saying that uh, he was like, a, he played a forward spot in college and now he's kind of on the wing. That's kind of where I want to be. Like, I'm playing a four, but I eventually want to make my way to play more of a wing spot. So he's like, yeah, like, little tips in guarding quicker guys here. Like, I've been in your shoes. Like, you got to do this and this. Or when you're coming around to get this shot, sometimes I like to set my feet this way. I find it helps me with this. And and those just come off the top of my head. But, like, every single one of these guys has helped me in some sort of way with, like, a tip here or just even, like, helping with my confidence and talking to me and, yeah, just such a good group of guys. Well, you know, I'll be honest. For a rookie, you don't seem to be short on confidence, and you certainly didn't uh, weren't short of ending on Friday. Tell us about Friday's game and, of course, uh, what it felt like to uh, ice it and uh, hit the winning shot and then get mobbed by your teammates with a big, big win. Yeah, uh, unbelievable feeling. Right, and just like my, like the coaching staff and my teammates, like, believe in me enough to have me out there during the Elam time and to, to pass me the ball. Like, they just have faith in me that, like, I'll, I'll make the right decision and, I do decide to take a shot that I'll knock it down. So it's been, yeah, just being able to do that at home in front of a huge crowd, being a Winnipeg guy was just a, a feeling I'll never forget. So, Hey, you mentioned the ending, Simon. Um, how much did you know about the Elam ending, this format of the game beforehand, and how much have you enjoyed it? I, to me, I, I'll be honest, the more I watch it, I'm surprised that it isn't almost standard in basketball yeah. everywhere around the world. Yeah, like it's, I think it's phenomenal. Like, whole goal of it is to take away like you watch the end of a, of a basketball game sometimes with two three minutes left you get all those fouls and free throws and stoppages in the last couple of minutes takes half an hour right and with this like either takes away all that every every uh, every game ends on a game winning shot which is awesome and then huge comebacks are possible right like in our, in our home opener, we were up like 17 or something like that in the target score time, and Vancouver almost came back and beat us, right? And I know I think the biggest comeback in the league is like 16 or something like that in the Elam time. So it's just like anything is possible. Every game ends on a game winner, and then the game just the ending doesn't get slowed down and ruin all the rhythm with the free throws and the fouling. And yeah, I, I think it's awesome. 
Now, Simon Hildebrandt with us, obviously uh, with the Sea Bears and one of the stars of the Bisons and was the Canadian, the U Sports Rookie of the Year last year. I have to bring this up from Friday night because Kirby Shep, your coach with the Bisons, is a good friend of ours here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll often have him on to talk about a variety of hoops-related things. Uh, we had him on the show just before the Sea Bears started, and he talked about the opportunity for you, um, but then he was off to Egypt. So he came back, he was at the game in the front row, right across from where I was sitting. And uh, you, of course, had a pretty big game. And I don't think I have ever seen him. I mean, it was like, there was like an element of like the proud father with their son out there, but it was almost to a next level because I think he has so much passion for the game and for you and actually for a change got to do it in a fan's role um yeah. did you see kirby losing it after a few of your big shots and so, in all seriousness just uh maybe a comment of uh the sort of guy he is and how much he's helped you in your first year with the brown and gold yeah like i saw a video afterwards of him like like cheering me on uh, uh such a cool moment he's been like one of the best coaches i've ever had like just in the way we like run our practices and games and how he's just put me in great positions to succeed and um, the, the confidence he has in me and, and just the way we've built a roster and everything. It's just been, he's been such an unbelievable coach and he just like wants you to become like a better basketball player and a better person. So I can't say enough good things about Kirby. Uh, uh, just quickly looking ahead. I mean, obviously the focus right now is uh, finishing up the regular season and making a great run in the playoffs into the tournament in Vancouver. But now that, you know, you've played most of this summer as a professional with this group, um, how much is this going to help you and the Bisons heading into next season? I, I'm sure the way things ended last year, you're quite looking forward to getting back at it at some point down at the uh, Investors Group Athletic Center. For sure. I think uh, I can try to help out my teammates, like, as much as I can. Like, you know, I learned so much this summer. And if I can try to, like, kind of bring that down and share as much as I learned this summer with my teammates. I think that it's just elevate our whole team. So, you know, just focusing on like little details here and things like that, like that matter at the pro level that maybe at university, like you can get away with. Uh, but yeah, just trying to help out all my teammates as much as I can. Cause I think that'll overall make us a better team. Hey, uh, Simon, just on a personal level, as a Winnipeg guy, uh, how have your friends and family enjoyed coming out and being a part of the great atmosphere down at Canada Life Centre? And and what's it been like for you? I mean, aside from the basketball side of things, just getting a part to, to be in a starring role and having, you know, so many of those close around you getting a chance to be part of this, I mean, really special season. Yeah, just that's the one thing about, like, being a local guy playing at home is, like, my parents and my all my friends had the opportunity to see me play, which is just so cool. Cause I remember when I uh, when I left for for school for two years, I was away from Winnipeg. Like my family didn't get to watch me play in person for two years. It'd always be like through a small TV, depending on what the live stream is like. Even just like when I came home to University of Manitoba, then getting a chance to see me play was like such a cool feeling. And now they get to do it again, but like at the Canada Life Center with a sold out crowd and. Yeah, it's just, it's surreal. Hey, uh, uh, just before we go, I mean, of course, you hit the winner on Friday night. It was a huge win, great atmosphere. I imagine you probably had quite a few friends and family at that game. Uh, what were the celebrations like on a Friday night in Winnipeg after a huge win for you and the fellas? Yeah, like we always we always go for a team dinner afterwards. Like uh, like David Asper has been like 
I would say the best owner in the league. Like he does so much for us. So yeah, we go, we always go to a team dinner and it's always just a, a great time. It's like bonding, bonding with these guys and our coaches and all our trainers and everybody in the organization just got this team dinner to bond. So it was, it was awesome. It is cool. I mean, listen, everything about this season has been cool. Uh, I knew from the home opener that this was going to, this had incredible potential. I can honestly say I'm not surprised at the way the city has come out and supported this team. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as the job that the organization's done, putting on a quality product and what you guys have done on the court has been, uh, it's been fun. I mean, the only thing that sucks is that the season isn't a little bit longer because I think yeah. everyone's having so much fun. That yeah. being said, you guys are on the road. Huge game on Thursday against Calgary where you can uh, basically wrap up the West one more home game in the regular season on Saturday, July 29th. So folks, if you have not gone yet, these last few games have been sold out, get your tickets now and make sure you're there. And uh, here's to, uh, here's to a great playoff run. And obviously for you, Simon continued success this season. And uh, we'll have to get together when uh, you've traded in the teal black and white for the Brown and gold and uh, talk a little bison basketball a little bit later on. But uh, first things first, good luck on Thursday. Keep it rolling and uh, congratulations on a great season. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Great stuff with Simon Hildebrand. Fun, fun weekend down at Canada Life Center. If you took in either of those sold out games, July 29th, Saturday night, the final regular season game for the Seabears. So if you haven't been out Make a plan to uh, get your hands on some tickets and don't leave it till the last minute or you'll be out on the outside looking in. Um, speaking on the outside looking in, you've got till the end of the week to get your tickets for Winnipeg Sports Talk Night at the Gold Eyes. It's coming up July 26th. So a week Wednesday. We'll be sending all the tickets out digitally, emailing to you a week from today. Uh, $15 tickets all in. Uh, you'll get a Winnipeg Sports Talk koozie while supplies last as well. We've got some gold eyes prizes to give out for uh, our Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners. Bottom line, it'll be a great day to get together, meet some people that you know through the chat room, um, and hang out on a great summer evening down at the ballpark. Um, split for the gold eyes with Cleburne over the six-game series, three and three. Team back out on the road this week. Um, and then back home next week for that homestand. And, of course, Wednesday, we'll hope that you will join us. Get on over to winnipegsportstalk.com and get your tickets. And, of course, while we're there, we'll be able to enjoy some of our favorite local beer from our great partners at Little Brown Jug. Uh, Of course, they're now available at Bomber Games as well. Check out the poutinery in the uh, hometown concession stands on both sides and both levels. If you want to grab a 1919 at the game, and of course it's Shaw Park with all local beer, not only can you get the 1919, but our summer favorite, the generic lager, also available in cans. And hopefully we'll have a few Little Brown Jug beauties at Craft Beer Corner as well. If you want the great taste of Little Brown Jug, pop down and see him at the brewery and tap room on William Avenue. Hang out at that beautiful patio and pick up all your favorites. And, of course, Little Brown Jug available at great beer stores all through the city of Winnipeg as well. I'm counting down till getting back out to Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Uh, my favorite three or four days of the year is coming up. If you're thinking about uh, maybe a corporate getaway or an event with some top clients or prospects, 
you could do a lot worse than uh, a, the world-class hospitality and fishing experience. That is the Aikens experience. Find out more online as to what's available at AikensLake.com. I believe there might be one or two spots still open for this year, but they're now booking well into 2024, so it'd be a great time to get planning on that. Talk to our good friend Pitt Turen at Aikens Lake on Twitter. And again, AikensLake.com is the site. Quick Breezy Ben golf report for you. How about Rory McIlroy birdieing 17 and 18 at the Scottish Open to win the Scottish Open heading into this week's Open Championship at Hoylake. We'll definitely be, uh, or hopefully, I, I just texted Dubs. Hopefully Dubs is going to come on in the next couple of days. He's very busy right now, though, so we'll cross our fingers on that. We'll get Feinberg on as well to get some picks before the event, and I can tell you that the Winnipeg Sports Talk DraftKings contest is open for all of you in the league. Just click on it. You'll see the open contest. Reserve your spot, and... As a special bonus for first place, we've got a sweet tailor-made golf hat and some tailor-made balls for uh, for the winner. We'll also take out down. Uh, we're going to do top five, max 75 people in it. So reserve your spot right now. And big thanks to Easy e Eric Johnson over at TaylorMade for another prize for a major championship here with Winnipeg Sports Talk. Of course, Breezy Ben does all our golf reports. Big event with Mark Stone in the Stanley Cup next week at Breezy. Really looking forward to that. Um, find out more about getting on the waiting list for next year at breezyben.ca or give up how Corey Johnson a call over at the uh, at the golf course. All right, we got to get to the cool bet lines for tonight and uh, then some picks because they're back at the races tonight over at Assiniboia Downs. Speaking of the Open Championship, though, golf odds are out for... The final major of the year. Rory, after his win, is the favorite at 8-1. to one. Scotty Scheffler's plus 825, and then a pretty big gap. John Rahm, 14-1. to one. Cam Smith, 18-1. to one. And then 22s on Ricky Fowler, Vic Hovland, Brooks Kepka, and 28s on Cantley, Fleetwood, and Hatton. Xander Shoffley in at 30-1. to one. As far as tonight goes... Check the Cool Bet socials. I've got my pick. I'm going to be leaning on a Cy Young favorite to uh, keep the Tampa Bay Rays rolling. No Blue Jays tonight. They'll be back in action tomorrow. And CFL lines are out. Bombers with the early game this week, Thursday night. Bombers are 15 and a half point favorites against the winless Edmonton Elks. Um, Argos open seven point favorites against the Ticats in Hamilton. BC and Saskatchewan playing in BC. BC's eight and a half point favorites. And the shortest line on the week is the Calgary Stampeders taking on Dustin Crum, the Ottawa Red Blacks. Calgary, after that big win against Saskatchewan, four and a half point favorites. Head on over to CoolBet. If you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST when you're making your first deposit for a 100% bonus up to $200. Um, Remo, it's back at the track, and I am coming off my best week of the entire year, and it's not even close. Well into the plus on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for me, and uh, I was very much due, but hoping I can keep things rolling right here on a Monday track. Uh, what do you got? What do you got cooking for your picks for today at Assiniboia Downs as you try to stop the bleeding? 
and maintain your lead over me. Yeah, I've got a lead, but um, I haven't. You know, I've been treading water basically. I don't think I've had like a winning day. I'm really big at making bets that make all my money back. Um, so as bring it up. And a weird night at the track. A lot of uh, horses being scratched. Huh? Yeah, there was plenty of scratches tonight when I was going through everything. Um, I'm going to go through my list here. Uh, I'm starting to race two. Okay, I got to race one. I got to race okay. one. I'm throwing four bucks on uh, Plum Rose, I believe. Number four in race number one. Okay. Uh, Plum Rose. So uh, starting off there. Then right. uh, race two. I'm going, I've got all night to place. That's horse I've seven. All I've night got, to place. I've got all night. I've got and, all night. And I, not being a teetotaler like you, am betting <laughs> on I've got all night to win. Oh, okay. There you go. So there you go. All right. Well, three hopefully. You... On, a win, on a win bet. Um, I don't have anything on race three. Do you? No, I got race four. Okay, race four, I'm going with number two, Carpiquet, to win. Okay, I've got a nice exacta here, exacta box, one five, party at my place, and Silicon Valley. Uh, finish one, two, any order. Nicely done. Uh, all right, I am not on race five. I think that one was really kind of chopped up a little bit by uh, by yeah. a couple scratches. But I'm finishing up with a triactor box on race six and race seven. Okay. Race six. I've got horse number one, unusual account. Number six, my boy Christian. And a 30 to one long shot, Moses on main. One, six, eight is what I'm cooking up for race number six. I got horse seven, livery man to win. On race six. All right. And then the last race is race seven. I've got another $1 triactor box. I'm going with number three, my Noah. Number eight, Jeff Fafa. Mm -hmm. And number nine, in the deep with my favorite jockey, Antonio Whitehall. I got my horse, uh, one of the first horses I won on, McCaig, to win. At ten to one, I'm on McKay. Actually, McKay's not bad. It's, it's uh, yeah. It was second in a six furlong race back in June, and it hasn't raced in just about a month. So he'll uh, it's rested. He'll is what you're go. telling me, rest doesn't exactly. have the rigorous schedule of uh, weekly at a sitter boy downs. <laughs> um, great night to get out to the track, though, folks. Of course, post time is seven thirty. Uh, Stretch and Kirk will do their thing on the Assiniboia Downs YouTube channel at 645 if you want some more educated picks than we just gave out. Uh, and, of course, if you do want to just uh, bet at home, you can do it at hbibet.com where we just made our wagers and then watch all the action throughout the night at ASD, Assiniboia Downs YouTube channel. Uh, fun show today. I really enjoyed that conversation with Simon Hildebrand, Reed. Man, he was great. We're going to get more of these uh, sea bears on as we head down to the playoffs and the season wraps up. But so awesome to see all the excitement uh, for the sea bears big on social media. I know you put, took a video of his game winner and I threw it up on our TikTok and Instagram. It's got like 
getting tons of views, tons of likes. Like people are hyped about the Sea Bears. You're seeing that in ticket sales. Uh, I mean, most popular team in the CEBL, I would say. So hopefully uh, they have a deep playoff run, and I'm looking forward to following the last uh, stretch of the season. One more home game, so make sure you go if you haven't checked it out yet. You know, we always get burned for bad takes. So when you do have a good one or a great prediction, it's always fun to go back and look at it. I think I need to go back to the day after the first Seabears game with that prediction, Remo, that the Seabears would average more than the previous record crowd for the CBEBL, which was 4,400. And uh, that one is in the bag. Um, you can book it because they had another 55 and then 6-plus on uh, the weekend. It has just been an incredible success so far this year. The games have been fun. The team's winning. And uh, as they say, they can... Uh, they can clinch first. I know Gregory was saying in chat that it's not really first. Well, of course, it is first place. It's just sort of a weird playoff format that Vancouver automatically gets a spot in that final tournament. So uh, there's one less spot in the West with them being as poor as they are this year. Bottom line, they beat Calgary. They'll finish the top. Everybody else put themselves in the best possible spot they can be in the West going into the uh, into the playoffs. And... Uh, as they say, you've got uh, two weeks until that final game, 29th of July, which is a Saturday. And um, as they say, get your tickets now if you want to get out there. If you haven't seen it so far this year, two great, great crowds this week. Um, Remo, before we go, speaking of great takes, I know we have a lot of people that enjoy the puck dokus. Mm -hmm. Um First of all, today's was an awesome one where you can use Jets 1.0. Um, but I think I had an all-timer um, yesterday. Number five in the uniqueness score with, a, with, a, with a, 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 a lineup which probably I'll never be able to beat. Might as well retire as champion of uh, Puck Doku. Yeah, I mean... I couldn't believe it. There's one thing about, you know, completing the boxes, but you want to play on hard mode. Uh, try completing them going for a low rarity score. And here is Hustlers with a five. So basically rarity scores is adding up the percentage used of each person. And if you're getting a five unique, uniqueness score of a nine box grid, I mean, that means you got a lot of a lot of uh, people who are less than 1% us. And here's your elite. Yeah, well, I think it's all just done on a ranking. No, like it's, I think it, the it's, lowest. It, it adds up all the percentages. So, like, you had. So this is what really? it is. So here, like, you got you, you have a two and then three. I don't know. I don't know how you got five. I'm pre I'm pretty sure that just adds up the percentages. No, no, no. It's I I'm sure it's a ranking. It it shows you of everything that's come in. That was the fifth most unique of everyone that did it yesterday. No, that's, that's not what. That that's works. not how. How. Well, will I? That I. I maintain that it is, because what did I get today? I got a. You got like a hundred. Yeah, something like that. But that's. I wonder that's if because the, if the, if it rounds down to like zero, the guys who are less than one, you would have. But then even still. By the way, but just on this one, um, Mike Keane, 0 0.3 for Habs and Rangers. Mm. Tony Esposito, which was my biggest number, he was 3% for Habs 
and Blackhawks. And then Ab McDonald. Shout out to Ab. Habs and Red Wings, 0.0%. And former Jet Brent Ashton, who literally played for like half the teams in the league. If you're stuck, throw a Brent Ashton in. You might come through. Uh, Carol Vadney, which is for some reason the first name that came into my mind when it was Bruins and Rangers. And then I was a little stuck on the Bruins Blackhawks, but ended up getting Nick Boynton, who was a 1%. Alan Bester, 0.4 as well. Um, well, you know what? Maybe we'll talk about today's ones tomorrow because people haven't done them yet. But as they say, the Coyotes are in there, which means that old Winnipeg Jets are there. And uh, there's plenty of opportunities for very low uniqueness scores um, for old Jet fans uh, to throw it in there. Yeah, this was a nice one. It was all original six, so you could really go kind of crazy. Uh, I had Brian McCabe, 1% for top left, the Leafs Rangers. I had uh, Rangers Habs, 0.5% PA Parento. How could I res- how, how how could I resist Blackhawks uh Habs one with Dale Weiss uh from Winnipeg who's been nice. on this program. What was Weezy? Two percent. Two percent and I had uh one percent of the middle Martin Lapointe Bruins Blackhawks. Remember he signed that huge free agent contract. I could have done him Bruins Red Wings. The other low one, I was surprised how much this one was used. Uh, Habs, Red Wings, Matthew Dandino was 5%. That seemed high for Dandino. Who else did I have? Christopher Stieg there, Blackhawks, Leafs, Adam Oates, Red Wings, Bruins. What was for Stieg? For Stieg was 5% too. Yeah, you so. got to get a little older. It's the older guys that really come through. Shout out to Alan Bester, 04 yeah, I had like, a couple wild goalie names from the past on my on my one today. We'll talk about those tomorrow on the show. Yeah, I just try to remember guys who I had on score ninety one um, hockey cards because I you know you went through a lot of those and they're always low percentages, but sometimes you can and pops in your mind like I okay, listen to this Hus on that one Bruins Blackhawks. I use Bobby Orr. Thinking like, pfft, no one remembers Bobby Orr on the Blackhawks. 42% of people pick Bobby Orr for that. How crazy is that one? Well, that was, I was going to go with that, but I just knew that, I mean, it's freaking Bobby Orr. That's and just true. with that being an original six matrix, I think people were thinking about older guys, and that was the only other team that he did play. So uh, I'm not really surprised that he went that much. Yeah, I, I, I didn't put that one in because I just figured that would sort of blow my run at a really, really low yeah. score. I mean, like, I usually do them, like see how fast I can do it, and then I'll do it again going for low rarity. Yeah. It, just because, look, I'm up really early with my daughter who's eight months old, and you know we're like hanging out in the early. morning, and I got <laughs> to do stuff while we're playing, and I keep my mind sharp by... Thinking of which obscure NHL player from the early 90s I can think of for Puktoku. Yeah, no, exactly. So anyways, jump on it today if you haven't played it already, folks. We won't spoil it for you, but uh, um, we can talk about some of the great old Jet names that were available for you um, in today's Puktoku. Great show today. Thanks to Simon Hildebrand for jumping on. Of course, Eddie Tate and Jeff Hamilton. Uh, we'll uh, look for uh, Mike McIntyre tomorrow. We will get into some British Open talk over the next couple of days before they tee off on Tuesday or Thursday, excuse me. 
And for all of you that play DraftKings with us, we got another contest. Um, 75 max, top five win, three bucks. And shout out to Easy E, our pal Eric Johnson from TaylorMade. Got a sweet TaylorMade hat and some TaylorMade balls for whoever wins this week's major championship. WST DraftKings. So uh, reserve your spot right now. It's up in the lobby for the WST League. Send us a tweet. If you uh, if you haven't played before, you are uh, DraftKings or just search Winnipeg Sports Talk and join the league and uh, it'll be there. Thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. We move forward, much like the Bombers, into Tuesday. Close practice tomorrow. Maybe they'll talk a little more about that crazy week overall in the Canadian Football League, but uh, we'll have Mike jump on the program. We will get to some British Open talk and uh, maybe even a special guest that we're working on for tomorrow as well. So bottom line, join us tomorrow, 1 p.m. Shout out to everyone listening on the podcast. If you haven't already, hit that thumbs up button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. and We'll see you tomorrow at 1 right here on WSD. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.